the host today, Robbie. Um, I'm with the usual host today, Drya. Hi. <laughs> I forgot I have to talk. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens when you switch up roles? Rude. And always with the established E. Hello. And <laughs> it's me, the established E. <laughs> yeah. That's what established is. That's why we sure. call you E. Exactly. You're established. You're established. <laughs> But today, uh, I guess we're starting a little bit more of like a family-oriented month, being November and being Thanksgiving month and everything. Um, I will say, I was a bit unprepared. Last week, Dry came to me and he was like, hey, I don't want to do next week's movie because I've been choosing <laughs> movies for like the past three months. Yeah, I chose eight movies for like four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I chose shorts. You did choose shorts. You did. You did. He also chose shorts today, but mostly to wear. But, uh... <laughs> That's, um, if people knew you. It'd yeah, very funny. Yeah, <laughs> inside joke. <laughs> um, however, he said like because it's being November, he wanted to be more family oriented. And I looked through my collection of DVDs, and I was like, okay, family movies, family movies, family movies. I have Death Sentence and Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> Fuck, those are family movies. <laughs> Technically. Technically, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but uh, you know, last year we did the dysfunctional family movie, so this year we're doing the functional family movies. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, I, I basically started looking for like some movies that would be interesting uh, to do for this month, and one thing I ended up coming up with is like, Dry really likes Wes Anderson movies, and uh, th- uh, so for this week I decided to choose The Royal Tenenbaums, being probably like one of. I don't know if it's like his biggest movie, but it was like what kind of put him into the mainstream. And it is very much a movie about dysfunctional families. Yeah, I would say like this movie is when I started to realize who Wes Anderson was. Right. So, yeah, I guess a little fun fact that I found out about this. This is like the first movie that he made dealing with like a whole bunch of A-listed actors and like with the biggest budget that he had thus far. So this kind of pushed him more into the mainstream. Is it? Yeah. And uh, this turns out to be pretty good timing because Wes Anderson just came out with a new film actually. Oh. The French Dispatch. So which we'll probably cover at some point in time for this podcast. Four years from now. Eventually, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> we have a backlog of like, oh yeah, I want to show this movie, but you know, we gotta wait for the right time to do that. <laughs> just feel like my backlog where there's at best a movie in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's at least one. There's one now. Yeah. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> but I guess before we get too far into talking about this movie, I should ask, E, hello. How's your week been? Uh, been doing my game dev stuff, and you know, so much fun pulling your hair out trying to figure out one thing for <laughs> multiple hours. Just put in a minus zero. That fixes things, right? Uh, yeah, that, that definitely will crash your entire program. But, <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> um, so, it was something I showed off before, which is I added rail grinding. But the issue was my rail grinding didn't actually, like, work well enough to do everything I needed it to do. 
So I had to rewrite all the rail grinding stuff and constantly look up new ways to do it. Oh. And it, like, works fine now, but I still don't quite like it. <laughs> but it works better. Still a little bit janky? Yeah. It it's looks... weird, like, because it feels like rail grinding shouldn't be that hard because you're just like, okay, just stop the player and throw them all across the thing. But I couldn't get it to do that. <laughs> it's like the, because I saw the video of your rail grinding, and it looks like it's almost like an ice. It basically was. Like, it would push the player forward. Yeah. But the issue you might have guessed is you couldn't go up very well. I saw that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, You can go up a lot better now. And it feels a lot better. It still isn't what I want it to be at, but I might just have to cut my losses here until I can do anything. Just really get head down into it. Yeah. Or if, like, I just have time or access to someone who is like, hey, I wrote the rail grinding for Sonic on the GBA. And I'll be like, thank you. Thank you, but no thank you because uh, I don't want it to be broken. <laughs> I almost oh, you shush. The rail grinding in those games is really good. That's maybe the only part that works. Oh my god! I was actually gonna say, uh, try and get in contact with like the developer of Line Rider. <laughs> That's totally feasible, right? It's Line Rider. You never played is that Line the Rider? Snow one where he's like in a yeah, where he's like on, he's a, little like on a little sled and you draw and then, yeah. you draw a line yeah. and he just like rides down the line. You yeah. know that game with the Line Rider? Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, one thing I was going to say, though, is uh, I don't know if you do it, but one thing I heard that some developers do is like the little rubber duck technique. Yeah, I yeah, like you always have to do that. And it was easier. And when I was still in college, because I basically used my professors as the rubber duck. OK, <laughs> well, because you're like, I don't know what is going wrong. So you're like asking for help. And you're like, OK, this, this and this. And then you're like, I'm just a fucking idiot. It's because I didn't do this. And the professor's like, good job. All right. <laughs> Wait, what's the rubber duck technique? Um, so basically, you know, like, sometimes you get really stuck on something and you can't figure out what's wrong with it. You throw a duck at it? No. So you'll, like, talk to someone, and when you're talking to someone, you immediately realize the solution in your head. Huh. Um, it's called the rubber duck technique because what a lot of uh, developers would do is they would just have a rubber duck on their computer so they could talk it out with them uh... and then find figure out what was wrong. It's like their thing of like, I don't know what's going on. Someone please talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. It's a really good thing. But um, like it was just a matter of sometimes I do hit a plateau of where my current skill level is at and where I need to be at to do a certain thing. Right. And, you know, as a game dev, what you do is you just wing it and it's <laughs> wong enough right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those things banging your head against something for long enough drives you insane yeah that, and I, uh, I didn't even oh no i did have something to show for it i think i don't remember if i posted it or not but huh. there's like multiple things of rail grinding and i don't remember which one okay got posted yeah. <laughs> the one that i saw was the one where it kind of it seemed like you're having trouble whenever it go at an angle to like go up a ramp uh it, like you said like going up yeah that would describe <laughs> both of them kind of okay um like one started off with me also showcasing like wall jumping and then going into a rail i don't think i saw the wall jumping one. okay i'll show you that one because that one's definitely a lot better yeah okay. but... i remember the wall jumping one but i thought it i i'm gonna be honest i thought it was just like an extended version of what the rail grinding was already because it looked like it was on the same rail grind uh... i have no idea if you can't tell, I didn't watch the whole thing. I saw like the <laughs> wall jumping part and then going under rails. Like, oh, cool, cool. It's just extended and then like moved on. 
Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't blame you because I literally started in the same place. Right. So it was just like that part looked very similar because that wasn't really where the big issue was. It was later when it was going at like 45 degree angles. Right. And it was like, I sure don't have enough speed to go up that. What do you want me to do? <laughs> he was like, hey, there's not enough momentum. What do you want me? What do you want me to do here? Yeah. Okay. But. Uh, so, you know, there's that. And then I also just drew a gummy worm with a radish on its head as an enemy. And everything Ooh. was all right with the world. Yeah. That one's not coded yet, so you can't see it. But <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, radish worms fix rails. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you know, those- I'm actually just going to replace every rail with the radish worm. See what the player does. Ooh, actually, what if you aren't rail grinding, you're radish worm grinding? Ooh. <laughs> and it's, like, really clunky because they're all at different... Yeah, exactly. Like, ah, yeah. It's just, like, falling down the stairs. <laughs> you found the solution by finding the problem. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it? Yeah, that's all I need to talk about on okay. the non-end show. <laughs> so, usual hostess with the mostess. How's dry been? Um... Good. I've been doing great, actually. Uh, me and Liz watched all of Ted Lasso okay. in a week. So I'll be Is that talking. That's the one with the motorcycles. No, that's the one with the soccer. Oh yeah. Um, the one with the motorcycles. I think you're thinking of is Mayans. No, like you said, they they went around the world in motorcycle. Oh days. no, that's long way around. Okay. Now we're watching long way down. Also, uh, <laughs> and after that, there's long way up, and then long way to the left. Long way to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. Um, but yeah, watched all of that, and I have a lot to say about that when we do our post credits. Okay. Oh, no. uh, besides that, this week I've just been planning this Halloween party because uh, spoilers, not spoilers. I don't know. Spoilers. Spoiler. It's Halloween. <laughs> um, it is the day before Halloween when we're recording yeah. this. Hallow's Eve, as I think they colloquial call it. Yes, it is all Hallow's Eve, and tomorrow is Halloween. I'm throwing a nice, uh, not a big party, but it will be a fun party, I think. And we'll be playing a, a board game and some stuff. So I've been just been planning that all week and trying to get uh, together. I'm okay. not even allowed to go. Just call in <laughs> to, your, where, to the place you work. Yeah, they definitely won't be already short-staffed. No, it's fine. It's fine. There, it We're definitely is it full of... You. <laughs> they don't have anybody to fire. They can't fire you. <laughs> There's one employee that actually has that. And I think she's right, though. If they need you more than you need them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's all I've been up to. Okay. What have you been up to, Robbie? So, whenever I walked through the door today, I said today was a day of inconvenience. This whole week has been like a week of inconvenience. Good. Is my car yeah. still broken? No, my car is fine now. Good, good, um, good. It wasn't so much that. It was, uh, I think it was like on Tuesday or something this week. Um, my bot or my supervisor came and talked to me, and they want to train me on a new machine, but nobody on second shift knows how to run it. So I have to switch around my schedule and like go into mornings for oh. next week. So I'm like in the middle of like messing up my sleep schedule so that way I could wake up at four thirty in the morning so I can be up at or be to work at five thirty in the morning to learn how to run a machine. Oh, that's gonna be a oh, that's gonna be awful when you have to transition back. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But <laughs> I have a lot going on this week with the podcast and everything, so it's been a little weird trying to get everything uh together and then like i said i didn't have a whole lot of family movies uh most of the family movies i have deal with like either like great loss or revenge in some way shape or form yeah and so i I went and i started looking for some uh you know a better movie for this and i actually got a couple that would have worked for a family movie 
Uh, I came across this one, though, because for, at least in my opinion, this one's probably the least sad out of all the ones that I picked. <laughs> From the ones you've told me, I think I agree with you. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the other one was Ordinary People, which uh, deals a lot with like PTSD and like during a time whenever people didn't really take PTSD seriously. And the other one is Riding in Cars with Boys, which Dry doesn't seem too excited about that one. I don't like that movie. It's uh, Have you seen that movie? Yeah, not since okay. I was younger, but I don't like Drew Barrymore. So. I think for me, uh, the reason why I like that movie as much as I do is because, like, the subject matter is something that's close to me, and, like, sure. the ending of that, without spoiling anything, the ending is of that movie is actually really close to something that happened to me, like, 11 years ago. Yeah. So I kind of have a soft spot for that movie. So I don't know if that one's sad or just sad in my mind. I remember people feeling very touched when it came out. Yeah. But, yeah, it came across this one. Uh, besides that, um, them asking me to come in in the mornings next week. They also asked me to go into work last night because... What the fuck is going yeah. on over there? <laughs> oh, end of the month. We need to make more revenue. Can you come in on Friday and work on this thing, please? You sure? Hey, we know you're coming in on Friday in the morning, but can you just stay for 20 hours after that, too? Thanks. <laughs> also, uh, there's a cot in the back. If uh, You can't sleep on that, though. That's for my dog. If you sleep <laughs> under it, that's fine. I was going to make that joke, too. Is like, as long as you put a mattress in the corner for me. <laughs> um, what is this Japanese game development? <laughs> Uh, it's getting there. Um. Anyways, besides that, the guy that I was working with last night, that was because like uh, they have uh these parts I needed to get out, and like he was the other guy that was working on them with me last night. We were just like lasering the parts off on them, so that way we could send them out to the customer. But um, and yeah, I get the revenue for the end of the month. Uh, but that guy doesn't have a car, so I gave him a ride home last night, which you know just fine, whatever. Sure. Um. I got a call around, like, 1 o'clock. Like, I went to bed around, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. And then, like, 1 o'clock, I ended up getting a call uh, from his dad, his, or his dad's number. And I was like, what the hell? I'm like, hello? And like, hey, I think I left my phone in your car last night. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, just, uh, uh I'll, I'll go drop it off with your dad. Because, like, I guess he wasn't home, but his dad was home doing some renovations to their house. So, that took an hour out of my day because. Hang on. He, he just took his dad's phone, but still called you like at that arbitrary so, time. So, like, the, here's the thing about that is because, like, um, I guess they tried calling his phone, but he like left it face down on my passenger seat, and so you know, like three thirty in the morning, it's pitch black outside, and so I can't see if they're trying to call the phone because he has his phone on silent all the time. So I didn't know about it, and then like, um, there's only like three people, including him, that have my our uh, phone number at work, so they had to like call a bunch of other guys today. And like, wait for them to wake up and be like, "Hey, do you have Rob's our uh, phone number?" <laughs> no. So like, okay. Thanks. But yeah, like that took an hour out of my day today to like just go get that done. And then I would have been like, "I'll see you Monday, dude. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> get better I, pockets." I just mailed it. <laughs> Take a week and a half. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> but yeah, I went and I dropped that off because like. uh he lives like ten or fifteen minutes away from like where or where we work, but it's on the other side of where I live. So okay. it's like a twenty five minute drive just to get to his place from my from where I live. Did you at least like pick up a pizza while you were out or something? No, like, that was later. Something because... nice. <laughs> nope. Okay. Because like I went home and like I was like trying to find some more like little fun facts about this movie, and then um I guess our downstairs neighbors are complaining about their drain again, so I had to like let in the guy to let him work on our tub before I came here. And then I also ordered pizza for us whenever, so, you know, we'd have something to eat while watching the movie. And 
like around the time I let him in is I went and I picked up the pizza and there was just a line of like, I think there was like six people ahead of me at a gas station to get pizza for that. So like, yeah, it's I mean, you been, did it too. So apparently it's popular enough. I, I, I guess like that one in <laughs> it's particular. All yeah. Hallows Eve. That's the iconic thing you do on All Hallows Eve is order pizza from gas stations. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody it's, knows that. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm behind the times. I know. That's really your mistake. You should have done your research. <laughs> apparently. But yeah. It's just been like, Cool, I guess I got to redo my schedule for this, 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 and that now kind of week. Yeah, that's uh, inconvenient. Yeah. Just stop sleeping for a bit, let it sort itself out. From the sounds of it, I think he's already ahead of you, actually. (laughs) I mean, the funny thing about that, I didn't bring it up last week because it wasn't like anything super important, but I learned how to cold brew coffee last week, so I'm doing that now. That's cool. Yeah. That's a lot of caffeine. It is, especially considering like with cold brew, you have to like add more coffee to the to it. Like the recipe I found online is like one part coffee to four parts water. Yeah. So it's like one cup. It's like a, a, an entire cup of coarse ground uh, coffee beans, and then like four cups of water, and you let that seep for twelve hours, and then you just have super strong coffee after that. Yeah. It's just cold lukewarm. Hmm? No, it's cold. Oh, yeah. Cold brew. Why would you want cold coffee? Tastes good. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, like kind of like that burnt bitter taste that coffee tends to have? The bad one, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't get that at all with cold brew coffee because like, uh, it basically just like slowly seeps it out instead of, you know, pressing it out uh, with super hot water. I feel like I would be the judge to that because I'm very sensitive to the taste of coffee. Yeah, you hate coffee. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I will say because like I did bring some of that coffee with me and it almost looks like milk because it's meant to, you know, have either like ice cubes put into it or yeah. milk or whatever else. And so like I've been... Like a little bit of coffee, or I want to say like two thirds coffee, and then like um one third mix of creamer and milk with it. So because of that, it almost looks like it's um like it's milk because of how white or white all of it is. But it's milk, it, but you'd be like, did tastes... I leave this in the fridge a little too long? Why is it that color? It still tastes like coffee though, because <laughs> it's like super fucking strong coffee. Yeah, cold brew is great, man. I love cold brew. Yeah, it the best way I've been able to describe cold brew is it doesn't have the acidity that normal coffee does. Right. That's the part of coffee I want. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm drinking an orange, but also a bad orange. Yeah. <laughs> also burnt beans. Also, I love fucking coffee. But. Yeah. I mean, Dry's been into coffee since, what, we were 12? Maybe yeah. even maybe even <laughs> Who younger. Who gave you ta- coffee when you were 12? The church. Why did they give you coffee when you were 12? It makes you subservient. <laughs> no, it makes you fucking bounce off the walls. What? <laughs> It's because he stopped complaining and he just sat there and drank his coffee during the <laughs> thing. It's like, there's a lot of dumb things. Uh, the, I wouldn't even say our parents, but like the older generation did, just to like <laughs> have us sit down and shut up. <laughs> like they didn't care what it or what it took as long as like we just sat down and shut up. It's why I was almost put on Ritalin as a kid. Yeah. Here, go play with this box of matches. Yeah, oh, yeah actually, a few times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not even a joke. That shit happened. Oh my god! <laughs> they bought you like those '60s science kits with actual like radium and stuff in them. <laughs> I actually did have a science kit as a kid. <laughs> I feel like not the ones with radium in them. I don't know. It was my brother's, so <laughs> it was. I just found it one day. Nice. Okay. God, I, I mean, that. there's a uh, there's like an ongoing joke whenever we were kids. It's just like, eh, it's a toy from China, so it's probably covered in lead. But here, play with it anyways. Yeah, some of them were, though. Yeah. I mean, like, also just American toys were also covered in lead. Yeah, yeah. lead's great, man. My grandpa still just has these little lead figures that he's just had for since my parents were young. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep, that's definitely what you want your 
children's toys to be made of when they're at that age where they stick everything in their mouth. Yeah, they're great for teething. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on, Robbie. All right. So, yeah, today we're going to be watching the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, so, I know Dry has watched this movie because... He said he did a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, for one, he said that he did. Also, because I know he loves, like, Wes Anderson movies, and I had to, like, text him throughout the week and, like, hey, you haven't shown E this movie yet, have you? Because I know he's shown you a couple other movies done by this director. Is one the one with the snakes? Um, I don't remember snakes specifically, but Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs was him. Oh, yeah. So. Isle of Dogs is pretty neat. Yeah, Isle of yeah. Dogs is real neat. I love Isle of Dogs. And from what I remember of Budapest, that one's also very neat. Yeah, super neat. Yeah. And I remember you kept getting annoyed because I kept calling it the Pineapple Express. Yeah, and it's not that at all. <laughs> it's not anywhere near that. We're going to watch that one day and you're like, this is nothing like it. Yeah, I'll be like, man, I really remember the... Budapest Hotel being a very different movie. God damn it. <laughs> well, the same people who made uh, This Is The End that we watched for our stoner month uh, also made Pineapple Express. So. I mean, I wasn't on that one. Yeah, you were. No, I was not. No, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't? No. we. Oh. That was uh, specifically one that we had to change up because he wasn't able to do it last minute. Oh, so we had to change I guess it I up. forgot about that. Yeah. This is too much pineapple like the fourth Apple time Express. you could ever gotten. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. apparently I smoked too much Pineapple Express. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, um, from what I can tell, I guess E's the only one here who hasn't seen it. Yeah, I have not seen the Parliament. Parliament? <laughs> the, the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> the Royal Tenenbaums. It sounds like a Monty Python sketch. It kind of does, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess with what you know about Isle of Dogs and the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh. E, what do you think this movie's going to be about? All right, I'm going to guess this movie's entirely in French. Not and, this one. <laughs> dang it. Uh, and it's about the, the Pish Posh Society people, and they're like, Oh, we are so Pish Posh, and look at all the commoners down there. There ain't no Pish Posh. <laughs> and uh, it's a satirical take on how uh, disconnected the upper echelon of the French are from the common people, and it's a satirical take on them. I think you might have accidentally described his new movie, The French Dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to say, minus the French part, I feel like that could have been like a prequel to this movie. Almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, like in my head, this was French. The uh, royal part, probably the royal. Probably. I mean, yeah. whenever I first heard of this movie, I thought it was going to be a British movie. I. I remember Royal. Yeah, like I don't I didn't have any like thoughts on it. Like as a kid, my brother would watch it and I'd catch it every now and again. He watched it a lot. And I had no opinions of it. I thought it was like a boring thing. And it actually was earlier this year, I think it was like February or something this year, I finally sat down and rewatched it. Um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's not what I thought it was when I was a kid. I Why? feel like our, yeah, I was gonna say I think our tastes have like dramatically changed from when we were kids to as adults. Quite a bit. Yeah. Turns out. Not mine. I still love it and today's big picture show just as much as I did back then. It was like three years ago for you. <laughs> I mean, as <laughs> the movie came out in like oh nine. Uh because I bought the Criterion Collection, there actually is like no synopsis on the back of the box yeah. for it. Because, you know, Criterion Collection. There is, however, an essay in the er, inside of the book, but I'm not gonna read that because that's gonna be way too spoilery. Yeah. It's just some fifth grader writing about what they thought of the movie. 
Kind of. Uh, the Criterion Collection is a bunch of critics got together and said, like, these are the best movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, uh, whatever person said, like, this is, like, one of the best movies ever made, they write an essay on the movie and then, like, start, you know, making the Criterion Collection, which is kind of like a remastered and, like, you get little insides of the film and stuff like that and, like, you know, more behind-the-scenes stuff. So you're saying if I want a higher resolution at NA's big picture show, I have to write an essay and send it to Mr. Criteria. <laughs> And I hope that he <laughs> makes a remastered DVD, yes. Yeah. That would be amazing. I don't, know, I don't know how you'd remaster that animation, but... No, I don't think you can. No, I don't think you can. Yeah. I think that's literally impossible. I but... mean, I get you could remaster it by, I guess, redrawing it. I guess. <laughs> they get, like, fucking Disney animators to animate the Ed and Eddie style. How has there not been an animated movie that's like, the remaster and just completely redrawn? How has that not happened? Because <laughs> that is so much work for something no one would watch. Which is a dumb little yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have done that with The Lion King, but no, they decided that we need well, super realistic CG. Technically, yeah, that is what The Lion King is. Is. It's the same movie, but this time with CG hyper realism. Yeah, cuter cubs. <laughs> That's all that matters. I just bad opinion. I disagree, but we're not going to get into that conversation <laughs> again. <laughs> it's not even much because, like, even like being Ravi, who are, like, I feel like even we don't have that high opinions of the Lion King, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I guess. Another one of those things that me and E agree on and Dry is like, no, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't even like the Lion King. I don't like either version, but I just think the ones in the live action are cuter. That's it. Yeah. That's what. That's the big it's thing. It you're has. racist against animation. animation? Yeah. I don't know if that's how racism works. <laughs> well, maybe race- that's e-racism. E-racism? Yeah, because you're erasing. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> when you don't like animation, it's e-racism. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, uh, I guess I'll find this. Uh, read the synopsis I found yeah. online and s- just tell you it's the back of the box. Yeah, okay. read the premises. <clears throat> <laughs> the Tenenbaums are family split apart by the actions of the family's head, Royal Tenenbaum. When Royal's estranged wife is engaged to a new man, twenty-two years after their separation, Royal Tenenbaum sets forth a devious plot to win Ethelene back, or uh, and his family. By pretending to be dying. This is a rom-com. I forgot about that plot point, actually. <laughs> what do you mean? What? It's... I thought you said you watched this movie not I, too long ago. I did. It's I wouldn't call packed. it a rom-com, though. Because, like, I think out of everyone here, I probably hate rom-coms the most. This is not a rom-com. Are it's... you sure, yeah. Ravi? This is, this is more of, like, a, a cynical dark comedy. All right. If this is a rom-com, it's an extremely twisted rom-com. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. oh, far for the course sometimes with what you guys show me. <laughs> yeah, uh, the genre of this movie technically is comedy drama. There's no... R- r- like there is com Yeah, yeah drama com Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is that, is that what it's actually called? Uh, Yeah. I would say that that's like what A Million Little Things is. It's like a drama That doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, It's a television show that I watch out of sometimes spite, out of sometimes not Oh, spite. no. Yeah. This is the one you say you hate so much. Yeah. All the time. Sad bros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> Uh, this movie is 110 minutes long, so about an hour and 50 minutes. Not too bad. Uh, it is rated R. I don't know what for, though. Probably just, like, language and theatrical elements. Or pish posh. I think there's some nudity as well. There is some nudity, Ooh. yeah. Um, oh. Um, also, I'm going to say uh, content warning. Uh, just to get it out there, I think that it's important to say before we really get into it. That's fair. It, it is a bit of a spoiler for the movie, but it is a content warning nonetheless. Yeah. With there, because there is an attempted suicide in this movie. Yes. So 
uh, that will be a big discussion point when we get into there. So just so you guys know, that will yeah. be something we get into. But if you do want to watch this movie on your own uh, before we get into it, uh, technically the only place to really stream this is if you have the Criterion Collection because they do have their own streaming service with like all the movies that they put on their collection. Uh, other than that, it's just the usual suspects with YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, and Amazon Prime for three ninety nine. If you want to rent this movie to watch it, it, it or you know, before we come and spoil the whole thing, uh, that would be where you'd go. Yeah, yeah. I guess that out of the way, I guess we should go watch this movie. I agree. If All we right. Must. All right. We'll be right back. I'm watching the Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I guess we'll start with. I guess we'll start with E since he's the. This is his first time watching the movie. What'd you think of it? This movie is really weird, <laughs> and like, some ways, sometimes in ways I like it, but sometimes in ways I hate it. I would say okay, and hate it. Hate might be a little strong. So okay. in some ways I dislike it. I should say okay. Like, I was gonna say wow. I'd- I don't hate this movie. I don't think I've ever had like the that much of an extreme reaction to like a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> it's it's incredibly funny and it's incredibly like charming in the weird surreal way that these supposed human beings speak, but like at the same time I don't really care for the plot. And yeah. maybe that's not what I'm supposed to be looking for in a Wes Anderson movie. But like I just didn't care for the plot, and it feels weird in a lot of ways of, like, what the outcome was. In my experience, Wes Anderson films are so much more about the characters and how quirky everybody is, way more than about the actual, like, what's happening. I guess. Uh, At least that's my experience with I it. Should, yeah. It's one of those things, like, I'd, like, if I just don't really care for where the plot's going it's hard for me to keep with the characters sometimes okay like with a movie more so than like <laughs> a show or i was anything. gonna say let's go let's talk about cartoon network heat yeah fucking, <laughs> they're great because uh, they have quirky characters since uh the dawn of adventure time they have very much increased their production and started doing more story driven television series and furthermore <laughs> <laughs> He whips out a notepad. I've been. I've written this essay. Yeah, it's only fifty minutes. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I timed myself multiple times. Every video essay starts with. When I was had a rough <laughs> transition to three D, <laughs> that's still the thing that everyone says, even though it's been twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> it's had a really rough transition, man. <laughs> still not figured it out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's like a mixed bag, I should say, for me at least. Okay. okay. How do you? I guess my question is how how does that rank up with the other Wes Anderson films you've seen? I think Isle Dogs and uh, it's definitely like Isle Dogs is really like I really love that movie. Right on top. Yeah. Then like there's like a little gap to the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Like I th- I thought that one's really charming and witty. And then there's a pretty big gap to this one, I would say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Just like, didn't click 
like a lot of the other ones that a lot quote unquote the other two <laughs> the I other watched. two <laughs> but like I don't think it's like it's definitely not a bad movie or anything and again like I should have said I hate certain aspects I disliked certain aspects but like it didn't like actively push me away I just was like all right we're doing this now I guess it's kind of how I describe most Wes Anderson films actually yeah yeah uh, we're doing this I guess now <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 my thoughts. Okay. I guess try it. With this being I guess the second time you've fully watched this movie. Yeah. Oh <laughs> this year. This year. This year. <laughs> <laughs> and second time all the way through, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Uh what did you think of this movie? Um I like it more than the first time I watched it. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like I understood like where it was going with a lot of the things. Whereas the first time I watched it, I was like, "All right, this is all this is going somewhere. This yeah. is gonna there's gonna be a big thing, and it and uh, there's not, it's not a big thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that's fine, honestly. Like I don't hold that against the movie. It's extremely charming. Yeah. Um, there are some things that I think are unnecessarily awkward, but I do think that that's supposed to go along with the theme of how this family functions. Right. So I also don't hold that against it. Like I think it accomplishes what it's going for with the story threads that I find awkward personally. Um, but like, I think that you can tell that it's an earlier outing for Wes Anderson. Um, yeah, this was actually his third film that he ever did. Yeah. Um, I think you can definitely see it's a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. But just yeah. how he frames everything. I mean, the first scene, it's like, okay, yeah. There it is. Yeah. You I think if you had a Wes Anderson film in a lineup with a bunch of other quirky films, instantly you'd be able to recognize it cuz he just has a very particular flair that he puts with everything. Very particular way of phrasing his yeah. words. Yeah. Um and he has a really good way of making things feel more grandiose than they actually are. Yeah. Cuz this story is like such a nothing story. Like, there's no effect on the world. There's barely an effect on the people within the story. Like, it's such a nothing story. Again, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. <laughs> um, no. But, like, he's able to make it feel more important than it really, really is. Yeah. It 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 boils down to it's just a story about a has-been family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they used to be in the limelight, <laughs> and now they're not. And this is where they are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much this entire story. Yeah. Um is that all for the Yeah, I mean, I I like it. Okay. Uh it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. Uh surprisingly, I think I have a weird favorite Wes Anderson. Maybe not weird, but one that like I didn't even know about until the beginning of this year as well, going down a whole Wes Anderson kick. Um it's one that I would actually like to bring to the podcast cuz I think okay. I don't know if you've seen it, Robbie. Probably uh, not. Like, uh, I've seen pieces of a bunch of Wes Anderson films. I think this movie was. I I feel like as a kid, I probably saw a couple Wes Anderson films, but I think this is the first time I actually like first movie that I like sat down and watched all the way through. Okay, one. But I've seen like clips. Of, I I've seen enough of Wes Anderson's work to know to recognize his work. Yeah. Um. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think is maybe my favorite. Oh, I really want to watch that so much. I saw like. 20 minutes of it when I was younger and I never managed to finish it. It is like brutally funny. Okay. It's just, just witty as hell. I yeah, I, I haven't I, seen that, but like um, oh, what's the name of it? 
Because, like, uh, Rushmore, one of his very first films, I saw pieces of that mm-hmm. uh, whenever I was younger. I also saw, like, parts of um, the aquatic life of, what's his face? Mr. Porpoise. Uh, Zoe or something like that. I've not seen it all the way. Th- I've not seen that one all the way through, actually, yeah. still. Oh, man. Yeah. The Aquatic Adventures are, nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> but. Honestly, I think you'd be surprised how many people do really highly rate Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it's probably one of those things where in very different circles, like yeah. me being yeah. in more animation circles, a lot of people really dig that one cause, and think it was a really like innovative like film, especially for animation, because I think that was Wes Anderson's first foray into animated work. I believe so, yeah. So, like, you gotta think, what year was Fantastic Mr. Fox, like, 20... 2014, 2012, something weird. I think it was like 2006 or 2007, actually. It was yeah. earlier than 2014 well, like, for sure. Well, like, think of what was around then. That was like early toy, like mid Toy Story. Yeah, that would have been like, like Toy Story was the biggest thing. And then like the other biggest claymation thing would have been Nightmare Before Christmas, I think. Yeah. So, so like imagine like all that. It's like, oh, look, it's all that Disney Pixar. And then this guy comes out with this weird, gritty, <laughs> kind of gross looking animated film. A little, a little yeah. yeah and like it was nothing anyone had seen at the time it's super charming like, yeah i think that it's probably his wittiest movie i Is think your favorite animated film you think probably no 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 it's not that <laughs> i i would have a really hard time nailing that down actually uh, ratatouille no it <laughs> might be something like um paranorman actually i think that's a fair i have one. a very soft spot for that film that film is very it's another one that's very witty and charming. Yeah, and like, it, it doesn't talk down to kids, which I think it I, should. I would say Para, Paranormans is kind of what like a lot of people think Nightmare of Christmas really was. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, rewatching Nightmare of Christmas, it's such a tame it is. Christmas yeah. movie. It really like, is. There's nothing really... It's not bad or anything, but it's no. like, you rewatch and you're like, yeah, yeah. that was fine. It's completely fine. Uh, definitely drops off in the second half, but whatever. Yeah, but you know, what what animated movie didn't at the time? True, and I think that's also like very much a musical thing too. The second half is usually a big drop off in quality, or in catchiness rather. Uh, did you find a year? Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> the uh, movies I've seen like bits of of Wes Anderson, like uh, you know, either clips or snippets here and there. Like I walked in on somebody else watching it, and then like. Went and did my own things. I was like, I don't understand what they're watching, so I'm not going to keep watching it. <laughs> um, it should have been like me, where my father was watching Get Out, and I joined in 30 minutes into the movie and finished it. And I still haven't seen the first 30 minutes of Get Out. It's good. Yeah, I it's like Get Out. Not a, a horror lot. movie, but it's good. No. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen like bits of Rushmore, uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zoo. Or is it Sal? That is a title. Steve Zooey? Z I S S O U. Z I Zo? Yeah. Like Steve Zhao. Steve Zoo. Zizu. Zuzu. Anyways, yeah, I've seen like snippets of that movie. Uh also like I can't remember if it was the Grand Bed- or Budapest. Budapest Hotel or if it was the De- or Daring Limited, but I've seen like clips of those movies too. One or the other. I always forget. Budapest Hotel was before we did the podcast, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those, like, I've seen enough of his work to recognize his work, but, like, I think this is the first time I actually sat down and watched a full movie of his. Steve Zizou. Zizou. Sisu. Zizou. It's a weird name. Jimmy. Not Bushami. <laughs> um, 
also Fantastic Mr. Fox, was in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would have been crazy at the time. Like, there wasn't something like that. Yeah, I think it was like... I think Toy Story 2 would have been the most recent Toy Story. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Would have been the most recent. That's kind of wild to think about how old Toy Story 3 is now. Yeah, because it came out whenever uh, I was just finishing high school. I remember it very fondly. Not fondly, I guess, because I don't really love those movies. They're fine. Vividly. Very vividly, yes. Uh, Just because I'm like, wow, this is completely going along my life. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the weird thing about Toy Story is that Toy Story, like, we grew up, and so, like, um, I guess Andy is the... Mm-hmm. Uh, main person who owns the toys like we were the same age as Andy yeah. for pretty much that entire movie series yeah I mean that whole era was kind of Pixar being like yeah you guys grew up with this stuff so yeah here's Monster University <laughs> yeah well they they're not perfect <laughs> <laughs> that movie's fine um but we're not talking about no. all those other yeah. things I was gonna say I guess with like my non-spoiler rating of it I do like it it is charming it is very Everything is very purposeful in a very colorful way, and I do enjoy that about the movie. And then, uh, also, like, you do notice things on, like, second and third watchings of this movie. Yeah. Things that you'd, like, never noticed beforehand, but you also have a better idea of, like, what's happening and what's supposed to happen and everything else. It almost, it almost comes out like a play. Yeah. I mean, but I in a good way. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. the acts and the stuff. Uh, so like the whole acts of this is it was meant to be like almost like watching uh a book come to life, which is why like you'd have like the narrator and everything for the movie is because like it was supposed to be like the narrator is like kind of whenever like you're reading it and everything that the characters aren't saying but you're supposed to know in the book like that's the narrator speaking. Yeah, and I think like it pulls that off really well. Um, the first time I watched it, I was like, was this based off a book? Because like that, that in my opinion that's how well it pulled off that like this feels like there's something more there in a way that's like most book to film adaptations usually do um yeah but once again i feel like that's just very purposeful of this movie 100 percent, yeah that wes anderson i don't think ever has a mistake in any one of his films no everything seems very very (laughs) purposeful in the way that he does it uh, from the color palette to the actors to what they're wearing to how they're like how they're acting it's like little things in the background of the film yeah, or like like everything. It seemed like um, I remember it was George R. R. Martin that said that uh, and I probably said this before in the podcast that like there's two kinds of writers. There's architects and there's gardeners, and an architect has like a very good idea of what he's building and like he structures it around exactly the storyline that he wants for it. And a gardener kind of just plants the seeds and and lets it flow. And I feel like Wes Anderson is more of the architect type. Like he just he knows exactly what he wants and he does what he can to put it exactly how he wants it on film. Yeah, I would say it's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say enough so, I guess, for like the first fun fact of said movie is that like the house that this is, uh, that were, I want to say 90% of this movie takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, They actually bought a place in Brooklyn, like this little rundown house, and then they like completely just renewed it from that, uh, from the ground up and then painted the walls exactly the colors they wanted to paint it and put in exactly the carpet that they wanted in there and like, Everything that's in there, like, they put in there. It was a rundown little shack that they had that they basically just built up to be what is almost like this house that was, like, really lavish in the 70s and now is just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it still there, do you know? Probably. 
I imagine so. Yeah. I imagine they wouldn't just be like, all right, tear it down. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's... I don't know. Some places are weird with how they true. do yeah. stuff. But yeah, like despite everything in that house looking like it's on a set, like that was an actual house that they hadn't that they found in Brooklyn to film all of that. That's cool. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I think I knew, found that out like watching the special features and like he was talking about like what he wanted for the film, and, like showing like where he wanted certain shots and everything and like talking about the color palettes of the walls and like where they got the carpet and everything else for it. Like everything, like we said, is super purposeful about it, even enough so that like in the Criterion collection of this movie, which is a great case, by the way. Yeah, it is a pretty good case. I was going to say there's the Tenenbaum house that actually shows like everything in there. I guess whenever him and Owen Wilson, because him and Owen Wilson were the ones who actually wrote this movie, mm-hmm. uh, they, um, Wes Anderson went to his brother, who I guess does, or does some art, and like they started talking about like what what he wanted for the film, and his bro- brother started drawing it out. And a lot of these are like the drawings that they had for the movies, and they would give these to the set or set designers and actors and everything else. And like this is exactly like what we want in each room. This is the color palette we want for each room. Do what you guys do. Huh. And it's one thing that I did really like is because like. He did very much have an idea of exactly what he wanted for the movie, but he also gave his actors, he gave his set designers and everybody else like the freedom to say like this is the idea that I have for this. Bring it to life and he let them do what they did. Like he wasn't like super micromanagement about it. He let them he let the actors work. Like he gave them an idea of what he wanted from them. He said, you know, go ahead and do your thing and he let them act for that and then he let the set designers do what they do. They design kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Trust the people who know how to do their job to do their job. Yeah, but that being said, if you actually look through that, there's very, like, weirdly specific things that he wanted in there. A half-eaten Pringles can eaten by Wes Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) That will be on the set that day for unknown reasons. Uh, (laughs) Uh, That that actually is another thing that he did say, too, is, like, uh... He wanted a Pringle can? No, 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 no. Like, uh, (laughs) there's, like, certain things that, like, he just put on the set there, and, like, he would sometimes forget why he put it on there. Or put those things on the set and stuff like that, but he kind of trusted the direction of like both his set design and like because what he he wrote very specifically what he wanted them to do with all those things, and then like would look at stuff and be like, I forgot why I wanted that there, and then like he would have the scene shoot out, and be like, oh yeah, that's exactly why I wanted it there. I wanted. I, don't to know, like I feel this, like that's just. I like, want to have this little bit, <laughs> this little touch to it. I feel like that's just me in life. It's like, why did I put this thing here? I don't. <laughs> and know. Two weeks later, you're like, oh right, I yeah, put my keys like, on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like, that, like I don't. Re- it's like I don't remember why my headphones are on this table today. <laughs> oh yeah, wait, I was going for a walk, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, but, but yeah, we should probably start talking about the film. Yeah, itself, since we're talking more or less about the ideas. Um, I want to review the idea of this film. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into that too. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll start talking about the movie and start getting uh getting a rough idea, and then afterwards we'll go into more spoiler territory for it. So, movie does start out, I want to say early 80s, late 70s, of the Tenenbaum family, and more or less the kids of the Tenenbaum family, and how all of them are very gifted children. All of them are very specialized in, like, the area that they're in. And To an annoying degree. Yeah, to pr- pretty much an annoying degree. But <laughs> Actually, now I think about uh, the very first thing that happens in this movie is the father, Royal Tenenbaum, sits down with his kids and says uh, that he's leaving. Yeah. And he asks, like, are you, you and mom getting divorced? Like, not quite, but she doesn't want me in the house anymore, so I'm going to respect her wishes and I'm going to leave. Yeah. And then, like, you know, did the whole thing that kids usually do, just like, was it anything we did? It's like, no, it's nothing you did. It's just 
It's like, well, why do you have to leave then? She's like, well, it's just what your mother wants. And like, she thinks it's, that he's like, maybe sometimes I've been a bit unfaithful. Well, mom says, you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Royal Tenenbaum himself is quite the character in this movie. He's such a shithead. He he's is. awful. Yeah. He's the worst human being. He did, tries to play off like he's not a horrible human being, but he is. Well, maybe they're just real pessimists. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, he's not a pessimist. At least when he's dealing with himself, he's not a pessimist. Well, no, but everybody else around him. Yeah. yeah. He's a narcissistic pessimist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's a good way to put him. But after that, it does go into the kids and how all of them are kind of genius. Are, are, like, they're very specifically good at a certain subject. And yeah. the mother was always like, did what she could to nurture that in her children. So, like, this is a scene where, like, a kid walks up, can I have $187? Yeah. Very Write yourself a check. Yeah. Yeah, and he already has a check written out. She just needs to sign it for him. <laughs> just maybe, like, if I just walked up to my parents and asked for $187, they just <laughs> laugh their self. They just laugh at me and just, like, You know what my mom would have told me? Well, you better go get a job. That's exactly what my mom would have said. Yeah, well, we, we were Well, here I am with a job, and I still don't have $187. <laughs> the cycle of life. But yeah, it's a Chaz Tenenbaum, and how he's basically like a financial guru, and how at a very young age, he became very financially stable and was like making a bunch of money by selling real estate and all this other stuff to like the point that he actually bought his father's old childhood house, I think yeah. is what it was. The summer home. Yeah, there's summer home, yeah. How he bought it from underneath his father. And and then his father shot him. Yeah, his father. <laughs> the BB gun. Yeah, with a BB gun. <laughs> the BB gun. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to be on the team together, but then he's like, nope, there's no teams, and then shoots him in the hand. Wherever he got a, or he got a BB stuck between, or stuck in his, between two of his left knuckles. And which is still there to this day. That does mm-hmm. happen, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whenever I was in, I think the sixth grade, uh, there was a kid that like me and him were messing around. He sharpened with his pencil and stabbed me in the leg with it. Still have the graphite in my leg. Yeah, at least it wasn't lead. Yeah, at that's what they said. That. <laughs> yeah, that's actually because like the principal had to call my mom and let her know what happened because like they couldn't get it out. <laughs> and uh, so he's like calling. He's like, by the way, it's just graphite. Like it. Or it will either dissolve in his skin at some point in time, or it will just kind kind of stay there. It's not gonna. It's not <laughs> one of those like two things. <laughs> it either will go away or it won't. Yeah, they thought it would dissolve, <laughs> but it never dissolved. Like it's still there. I feel like that's a weird thing because graphite doesn't really dissolve, does it? I have no, no. idea. Which I, it's kind of just like a little black mark, yeah. like right and here. I, it looks like a mole, and like I, I honestly, God, I can't even feel it anymore. Like if it's anything in there, it's dust at this point. Like because like it does like. You think there'd be like a sharp shrapnel kind of pain, but there's nothing there. I would imagine at this point, if it's still in there, it's been pounded to a fine powder. Probably. Or it's just really deep in there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was right above the surface, but like they couldn't dig it out because like I was basically sitting in the nurse's office, just like holding onto the table, like, is it out yet? Is it out yet? No, hold still. And like, they just couldn't get, like, I think uh, my legs started bleeding because, like, they were making it worse, basically. And so, like, we're just going to leave it alone. <laughs> good, good call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other solution is they would have to, like, make a little yeah, and that would be and it's not really worth it. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not worth me getting two stitches getting that taken out of my leg. Yeah, and that's, like, what, like $4,000 probably for something stupid like that? No, no, Back no. Then, no. It Inflation, wouldn't have been... it would have only been 3000 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um... Yeah, that happens, and then it or after that it it starts talking about Margot Tenenbaum, who She's is their a daughter. Genius writer, yeah, the adopted daughter. 
the adopted daughter. Yes. Which they make a huge point of about the entire movie is that she's the adopted daughter. Well, yeah, because yeah. that, that's what they say is that um, that's how uh, Royal always introduced her. Yeah, it's like, yeah. have you met my adopted daughter? So, like, even though she's part of the family, she's not really part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, because otherwise some plot points would be even creepier. A li- it's still creepy. It's but... still creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's their way of making it less creepy, but also it it pretty much shows her entire character, if you ask me. Yeah. It's like her entire character is how like she's always an outsider looking in. Yes. You're right. Yeah. But there's that, and then the last one, who is... Rich. Yeah, Richie, who is in a weird way almost like the golden child, because like, you see Royal spending more time with him than the other two kids combined. He's the most loved. Yeah, he is definitely the most loved, which is why I said like golden child. Like. Mm-hmm. You see him them out, like, you know, having father and son bonding time. They go out and eat, and, like, he goes and takes them, or teaches them how to, or, well, they go and play tennis, because, like, this kid's a tennis star. Takes him to a dog fight, which well, is classic just, Classic like, father-son yeah, bonding. Yeah, exactly. Who, who has not been in a, to a dog fight, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it shows all of that, and then it also shows Eli Cash, which was their neighbor, mm-hmm. who thought the Tenenbaums were like the coolest people in the world and wanted to be like them, so he just spent all of his time with them. He's what? the unofficial, unofficial Tenenbaum. Yeah. yeah. One step below the adopted daughter. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, uh, might as well be at that point, because mm-hmm. like, whenever he comes over to like, stay the night and everything, uh, that's whenever Margot has her first play that she wrote whenever she was 12, and she has... Her, her two brothers, and Eli all acted out, which is them just all in a bunch of animal costumes uh, doing whatever the play was, which doesn't matter. It just shows like it was yeah. the play. You, you get a... I like... There's some weird thing where like one of the animals has a shotgun and the other has two bullet holes in yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like you can't tell... Like, you never see what the play actually was, but you get a good idea of the fact that all of them were animals, but one of them had a gun and the other one had bullet holes <laughs> yeah. in them. It's just silly. Yeah. 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 But yeah and... No. uh yeah, while they're having the, or it was also during Margot's birthday, and whenever they ask, you know, their father Royal, like, what'd you think about it? He's like, oh, it was okay. Character, or it's like, what'd you think about the characters being flushed out? It's like, uh, it didn't really matter. Like, don't worry, that's only one guy's opinion. It doesn't matter that I'm your father, and I think it was just okay. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. and then like Margot just like leaves her own birthday party because she's just pissed off at her adopted father that he has to burned her head every five minutes. Yeah. He was never invited to another thing ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Um, if, After you've learned all that, it jumps ahead, what, like 20 years, something like that? Yeah. 24 well, or some. I guess before number. that, it actually does show that, like, Richie and Margot were super close with each other to the point that they both ran away from home for a couple of weeks and, like, lived in a museum yeah. off of root beer and crackers. Yeah. That's also when she started smoking. Yep. And then... <laughs> Yeah, start smoking at the age of 12, which none of the family knew about it, but she de- definitely did it all the time. Uh-huh. And then also she, uh, they say four years later, she ran away again and came back with one of her fingers halfway missing. Yeah. <laughs> After her first marriage. Yeah. That, once again, family never knew about. Yes. Or actually, no, no, no. That happened, uh, her running away happened before her first marriage. Oh, okay. But anyways. That was another arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like 24 ish years in the future some arbitrary 22 yeah and it gives us another glimpse into what they're all up to now (laughs) yep which um i think the first thing it shows is it shows Chaz. 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 
You just had to like combine yeah. ours together. <laughs> Chazzy, I guess. Yeah, Chazzy. Uh, it shows that uh, he's now a widower. That his wife had died in a airplane accident. Where both were pretty much his entire. Like he was the only one that wasn't there for whatever reason. Doesn't say why exactly, but it's not important either to yeah. the story. There's a lot of like other interesting stories that happen around the story. I would say you kind of know why he wasn't there without the movie having to tell you. Yeah. Because he's oh, just yeah. always so sucked up in his own business. Yeah. And that's a, that's the same. There's like a lot of other interesting stories. Like the fact that like, you know, his wife, two sons and dog were, fl- I can't remember where they said exactly that they were flying, but they were flying. Uh, over the Niagara Falls or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. And whenever there was a plane crash and both the boys and the dog survived, but the mother died. Yeah, you know, and which they seems found like the an dog interesting... th- a couple thousand yards away or something. Yeah, <laughs> still in the still in his cage. Yeah, but yeah, like um, yeah. it kind of shows like that would have been an interesting story, but it has nothing to do with the actual Tenenbaum family. So it's just something that happens on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's like and a then... lot of interesting things happening on the outside, but it's not the story that they're telling. So it's just you know, oh, that happened. Anyways, back to our story. But yeah, <laughs> yes. since then, Chaz has always kind of been a nervous wreck. Yeah, uh, kind of shows him in his. Either very tall house or the apartment complex that he lives in. I apartment think he probably complex. owns it. He probably owns it, considering he's like a financial guru, if anything. Maybe. I just took it as like he lived in a really nice apartment. Maybe. Well, if you could own an entire apartment complex, you could live in a really nice apartment, too. I don't think that's yeah. how he, you're supposed to do it. If you It's have not how you're supposed complex, to do it, but, but I wouldn't doubt it if there was like some, um, if there were some landlords who just like lived in the penthouse suite of their own apartment complex. That makes sense. Yeah, I would not doubt that at all. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, he ends up, like, having a fire drill, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and, like, wakes both his boys up. Kids, fire drill, get up! And, like, you can tell one of the kids is just sick of it already. Mm-hmm. Was So, like, was this actually just a thing that a lot of weird fathers did? Because, like, no. No, Are I you, think this is just... Because <laughs> this was, like, a weird trope growing up. I saw this a lot. Really? Yeah, like... I think the first thing I saw it in is the old Tracy Ullman shorts of The Simpsons. Like, that was one of the episodes. Weird. Was, like, uh yeah, definitely nothing that I had ever heard any family member or friend going through. Mm. I think the most is like uh, we had random fire drills whenever I was in school. That's yeah. about the closest to this. You guys were lucky. Had. We had school shooter drills. We had, we had those that too. Yeah. Oh okay, we did have those too. But that was uh, I was in high school by the time that that became a thing. Yeah, um, very lazy shooter drills. I might yeah. add. Our ours were just hiding against the wall and don't make any sound. Yeah, that was ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, I remember there was one time, like they, because uh, they told the teachers they had to start locking the doors to the classrooms, and randomly, like the police department would come and like just pick lock at the doors to see if the doors were uh, shut correctly or not. And I remember I was in art class one day, and uh, there's an officer that just like opened up the door with the um with a pocket knife, and like he just opened up, he's like, "Hey, I got it open." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, you guys are doing a drawer, making sure that the doors are locked." Well, I locked it. It's like, "Well, I picked it and then closed the door and." Then like a week. What a great thing to think about all those mm-hmm. students. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, if I were the shooter, you'd all be dead. Anyway, you guys have a great day. Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. <laughs> See, you should have been with my teachers. I had a professor that specifically carried a lighter and aerosol spray in case of this situation. They would so specific. Yeah, like they would <laughs> they would shoot fire at the person. Huh. I, I guess that falls under like I'm not allowed to bring a weapon here, so I need to improvise one that uh, with stuff I can bring. I think lighters were also banned, but I think professors or teachers—they were teachers in high school—were yeah. allowed to have them. <laughs> huh. 
But anyways, <laughs> enough of weird American things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he has like this weird fire drill just to show that he's like a nervous wreck about like what if there's a fire in the house or something like that, then like what's going to happen to us and like. The fact that it takes him four minutes to get out of the house uh, is too much for him. He's like, well, we all burned to a crisp in there. We can't stay here anymore. Yeah, so he decides it's time for them to go and live back with uh Oh, was that yep. this? <laughs> I thought there was just an off-screen thing that was why they moved away. Nope, that no. was, that's just him feeling like feeling unsafe in his own house, so he decided to go back home because I think it's one of those things of like, you know, whenever somebody needs a place of comfort, they go back to their childhood home. Generally. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My parents sold ours. Yes, yeah. they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> when I was still in it as a child, arguably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we moved around a lot whenever I was a kid, but that's neither here nor there. I had several childhood homes. I remember all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Do they um, all have porcelain dolls in them? Yes. Unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> enough incriminating details about our past. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think we all need to say the addresses of everywhere we've lived before. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, like, he doesn't even announce that he's coming back to his mom's place. He just comes back. He just, like, walks through the door with all of his luggage. Like, oh, yeah, we need to get the locks changed in our house. We're going to stay here for a couple weeks. What? Like, didn't you call a lock? Or no, he says we were locked out. Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't you call a locksmith? Yeah. yeah? <laughs> you you packed all your bags before getting locked out? Listen, it's not safe there. We need to live here. Yeah. It's just there's not enough uh fire alarms or sprinklers anywhere, so we got to we got to get out of there. There aren't sprinklers here either. Yeah, we'll get that fixed. That's <laughs> <laughs> something I always think about like there yeah, that's just not a feature in houses. No. No, no it's, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> but yeah, like does that and like goes back into his old childhood. Like I think that's just what it was is like it was more comfortable for him to go back home cuz the first thing, place he goes is he takes his boys to his old room and sees a picture of his older brother and then flips it around and he's like there. Now it's my old room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't say I relate much, but yeah. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I think you learn a lot about his character very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh it's one of those weird things that I guess he did for the movie is like the reason he's always wearing a red jumpsuit is to show that he's just angry at life all the time. It works. Yeah. I thought it was to show he was kind of immature. That too. Uh, one thing that I did like about this movie is that um, the children seem a lot more mature than the adult versions of themselves. Yes, they do. That's kind of fair. I don't know. Like his kids specifically kind of gave me like Rod and Todd Flanders vibes. A little bit, yeah. Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> um, like Rod and Todd Flanders are kind of the super sheltered Christian stereotype. Oh, okay. Like the oh, kids. okay. Yeah. The next door neighbor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, it it is kind of that same flair that he has, but it's kind of like one of those, he's trying to make them little versions of himself, is how I saw it. Yeah. Exercise 16 times a week, wear dumb jumpsuits. Yeah. <laughs> those velour jumpsuits that you usually see, like, gang- are seeing, like, those gangster movies. Yeah. They're all, like... They just do that anytime they're on the screen, constantly. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Um, anyway, Flying yeah. the sky is so great. <laughs> I, I don't know. It goes to that, and then it also shows uh, Margot, who she's, ne- which she's now married in her second marriage, since they never knew about her first marriage. Yes, and uh, being married to a very older man, uh, it seems like he wants to take care of her, but she has doesn't really want anything to do with him. 
And so she just locks herself away inside of the bathroom for six hours a day and then smokes in there because not even her husband's allowed to know that she smokes. And so she locks the door. And every single time he tries to appear, she hides a cigarette, turns on, uh, turns on the fan, sprays perfume everywhere, and then unlocks the door so that way uh, she can talk to him for a little bit. The way that they describe her character is that she is full of secrets and loves being so. Yeah. She likes being mysterious. She likes her secrecy. She likes her privacy. Yes. Um, she's very uh, cold shoulder. To her oh, husband. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Which I think the funny thing is I feel like we knew women like her growing up. Yeah, I think we still do. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, and then it shows the other brother. Yeah, uh, shows Richie, who uh, is on a boat. Yeah, he's on a boat because he had a mental breakdown some years some years ago and just quit, a, quit his life, went to go live on a boat yeah. for the past five years. Yeah. He had a very controversial last tennis match. Yeah. Well, he took out both of his shoes and a sock. Well, you're not supposed to know that yet. That's not really a plot point. <laughs> no, it's vital to the story. I mean, it it is a little bit later, but not because of the tennis match itself. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, like he basically has a meltdown at a tennis match, just throws the match, and then goes and lives on a boat for the next five years. Still, and, still uh, sort of co- collaborates with, with a little old cash money himself. Eli Cash? Eli Cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Who? he still talks to them, sends letters. Sends letters back and forth to him, and also, speaking of Eli Cash, uh, wrote his own book and is a popular writer now. Well, his second book. Yeah. His second his book. Second book. <laughs> his first book was not so much a hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his second book, though. Yeah, the very- The one dealing with uh, General Native Custer. Americans. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. if General Custer didn't yeah. die? Listen, we all know that General Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn, was that it? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, like, but what my book predisposes of, what if he didn't? It's such a stupid, <laughs> yeah. dumb, like... So it's it, maybe my favorite joke in the movie. It's like, yeah, it's like, it reeks of, like, someone who clearly doesn't understand history and yeah. what, like... <laughs> what it reeked of to me is, like, almost, like, early uh, fan fiction is what it honestly yeah, reeked yeah. of to me. What really is, his like, uh, fictional history or historical fiction than <laughs> early fan fiction. Yeah. yeah. You're right. It's just like, we, cause especially because I guess this is before they were like constantly saying like, yeah, Custard was not very good a <laughs> person. Yes, this no. was before then. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is probably around the time that like people knew that Custard wasn't a good person, but I don't know. Like the thing about this movie is like, there is like, not some like a little bit in Eli's character and a little bit in a or actually probably more so in Royal's characters. They're kind of like casually racist. Yeah. Oh, Royal is not casually racist. <laughs> no, he's, he's just racist. Straight up racist. Yeah. Well, the reason why I say he's like casually racist is because he's not like in your face style of racist. He's kind of the he's a kind of racist that like he will be nice to your face, but then talk or say bad things about you because you're not the same color as him, like behind your back. He's the kind of racist that people can some for some reason justify. Except for the times when he specifically says a bunch of racist stuff yeah, to, yeah. like, the only black person in the movie. <laughs> it's pretty racist. Yeah. yeah. Well, with like, even towards the beginning of it, too, it's, like, the way that he talks to black people compared to the way that he talks to everybody else in the movie. Yeah. He is just very openly racist. Yeah. yeah. I would not say ca- casual in the sense that he's very casual about it, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... The reason why I say casual is because, like, uh, the way that he would be like, like, oh, hello, sir, how's it going? Oh, hey, how are you doing? What's driving, man? Yeah, it's 
bad. Yeah. I, I think you're it's, supposed to hate him, though. Yeah. So. yeah. I don't I, know. It's a weird thing. Like, he kind of falls of where under, the movie like, goes, though. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of falls between, like, that he's a bad person and a magnificent bastard. It's, like, somewhere in between that line. Because you're not supposed to like him, but, like, he's supposed to have likable qualities, almost. He feels I'll, like that weird uncle that you see during Thanksgiving. <laughs> he feels like, well... <laughs> Yeah, he feels like that uncle that like you'd see on Thanksgiving, and then like your aunt would tell him like, "Oh, you'll get used to him. He's fine." It's the thing with the character is that like the actor is performing really well, and he himself is very charming. Yeah, but I don't like anything he does. No, I don't think you're supposed to. Right, but like that's why I think he's just a bastard. Yeah, that's the thing is he's a charming bastard. That's why I say he's like a magnificent bastard. But I don't think his character is charming. I think the actor is charming because I've seen the actor in other stuff, and he's just same yeah, Gene, charming. Gene Hackman himself is a very charming man. Yeah, so like, like he's had a very plurific. I, I said that wrong. Plurific. Yeah, like plural. <laughs> he's had so many roles. He has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's done a lot of work, and he's done a lot of work well in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. Anyway, don't like this character, but I like him. Yeah, not at all. Don't like <laughs> but, this character. Uh, yeah, so... but the fact that. Like, the fact that he plays him so well, like, kind of shows how well of an actor that he is. Yeah. But yeah, there's all that. And then the mother is an archaeologist? Yes. yes. Yeah. I think it kind huh. of it kind of shows that, like, she did that after uh, Royal had left the house. Yeah. And that she got into that and, like, started doing more things with her life and started to become, like, you know, build up her own career and everything. And uh, the man who does her taxes, uh, Henry Sherman... Uh, confesses to her in the weirdest way possible yeah, that he he's loves like, her. You know, it's not really financially stable of you to uh, file single under your marital status. <laughs> uh, by the way, I love you. <laughs> by the way, I love you. Will you marry me? <laughs> it's so dumb. It is. Yeah. But it's, it, it's one of those, it's supposed way. to be like a charmingly awkward way that like their love blossoms in the movie. Blossoms. Sure. We'll go with that. I don't think anything blossoms in a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> it's just sort of is that the whole time. I, I, uh, I, I kind of show like I kind of feel like you know they at least their characters it doesn't show it a whole lot but like they start to feel more for each other throughout the film. That's what I mean. Like it blossoms. Like you can tell that like she's really unsure about it at first because it even says like she's had other suitors in the past but always said no. But this is the first one that she considered, and it goes from considering to falling in love with him throughout the movie. That's where, I, like, throughout it's kind of debatable because the next scene they're together. They're yeah, and like, <laughs> not really. The reason why I say like you don't see it blossom is because it tells you that she's hesitant, but it doesn't show her really being hesitant. Really, she just says she's hesitant, which like that's not a problem. I think that's Wes Anderson's style. Yeah, but like, all of his characters are very much what his characters are. Like, there's not like a hidden layer under what they're saying. They're saying exactly what they. Yeah, they're they're not exactly. I don't want to say his characters are one-dimensional, but they kind of are. They are, but, like, it's fine, because that's what he's yeah. going for, I think. Which is fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe sometimes they have two dimensions. One, they're charming, and then sometimes they get, like, a nice speech. Occasionally <laughs> in some of his movies, but, like... They're... Sometimes they're a dog. Sometimes they're a dog. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he writes comedies. So, like, I think one-dimensional is kind of what comedies do. Yeah. Really well. But, I don't know. Like I said, I still feel like it's something that does grow. It doesn't, really, like... That it's not the main part of the storyline. It's just oh no, it's kind of what shoots uh, the idea of the story. Yeah, it's the um, what's it called? The rising action. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yes. Yeah, there's another term for it in film, but 
Yes. <laughs> the upgoing Coolio thing. That's what it is. Oh, I couldn't think of it. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> Anyways, um, that happens, and then whenever Royal finds out about that, he's also being kicked out of the hotel room that he's been living in for the past 22 years, which is <laughs> an, also an odd thing to think about. People do I, it, that, though. Yeah. yeah, it's not uncommon. Especially rich people in cities. Yeah. But Trump. Still. <clears throat> what? Tr- Trump does that. Oh. I mean, he owns his own hotel, so it makes sense. I'm saying. <laughs> I think that goes along do. with the, it makes sense for someone to live in the penthouse of the building that they live in, <laughs> that they own. Yeah, it takes a certain kind of asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in a weird way, I think uh, Gene Hackman's character is almost, not quite as bad, but almost Trump-like. Not, not as bad, for sure. Yeah. But very Trumpish, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so getting kicked out of the... The air, the the hotel, mm-hmm. yeah, and He's finding like, out that his wife is getting ready to marry somebody else. I can't believe that. I better go woo her. Wow. Yeah, and it's basically like, oh, I'm gonna get my family back, and I'm gonna do it my way. Which his way is, of course, uh, cheating and lying his way to everybody's affection. Yeah, and at that point is whenever he sees Ethel, his ex-wife, mm-hmm. or I guess still technically his wife, but separated wife. Yes. Um, strange, yeah, strange. strange. That's the yeah. word they used on the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he see he, he just like and he does it in the dumbest way possible. He's like hiding behind her stairs, and like when she comes out, like, "Hey, Ethel." Yes. Oh, I just happened to be behind the stairs. Hiding behind here. Yeah. That's how weird. You're here yeah. at your place, and tells <laughs> so like, "Hey, I want my family back." And she's like, "Yeah, you probably should have thought about that 17 years ago when you fucked everything up." It's like, yeah, but you, here's the thing, um. Dying, <laughs> and she's what you're you're dying, and like starts to like cry a little, like well goes from like kind of being upset to like full on crying, and like he he's like trying to calm her down, and like yeah. hey, hey hey it's fine it's fine it's fine. She like starts asking questions that he obviously has no plan for because she's just like well how are you dying? He's like, you know and, like, he just like he, he starts pointing he's he's like rubbing his stomach. He's like uh, you know yeah he's like rubbing his stomach like you know it's. I'm dying. <laughs> like, well, where's the doctor? Like, you look fine. What's, What's going on? What's the prognosis? On? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, okay, okay, I'm not dying. She's like, you son of a bitch, and slaps and walks yeah. away. He's like, wait, Ethel, I am dying. Actually, though. <laughs> so stupid. Well, are you dying or are you not dying? Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> so stupid. I got six weeks. That is his plan, is to pretend he's dying to gain everybody's love and affection. Yeah. And in six weeks, he'll undie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Richie gets word of this while he's on his boat and decides like, oh shit, my dad's dying. I need to get back home and takes or ends up transferring to another boat so that way he can go back to New England. So that way, you know, he could help take care of his father and uh, before he dies. And, and so, the other ones are like, all right, I guess. Yeah. And well, uh, I think Margo like, already came back home because Kaz came back home and she's like, yeah. Because he's like, well, he's dealing with some rough times right now. It's like, I'm dealing with rough times right now. Like, how about I move back in with you? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the, like, I love the weird, terrible exchange because her mother is like over there saying like, yeah, I think he's feeling a little depressed. And she's like, so am I. So you are? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's such a like shitty thing that like I can easily see some of the people in my life yeah. saying. It's yeah. like... <laughs> Which leads us into the entire family 
finally living under the same roof again. For the first time in 17 years. I know, 12. Something 20, like that. 22. No, not 22. 107. 187. 4. 1,200. 7. So the family is all living under the same roof for the first time in 4,287 years. (laughs) For the first time in the millennium. (laughs) Actually, that might be a correct statement. Might be, actually. This movie came out in 2001, so the entire family family hasn't lived in the same house since the 80s, basically. In the year 2001, they'd move all back together. Yeah. (laughs) You actually were right. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... That happens. Uh, Chaz isn't okay with any of this. Like, Richie is just kind of like, like, hey, I'm here for you, Dad, kind of thing. Margo's in a very, I can care either way. I just need to get out of the house. Which I still think it was kind of funny. Like, I, I had the same reaction as E whenever she came back home. And Eli was just sitting in his underwear in her closet like, hey, beautiful. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So weird. <laughs> it was super weird. Yeah. Especially with, like, zero context of why he was in there. Even with context, it's weird. Oh, yeah, it's... <sighs> Even, it makes more sense in context, but all in all, it's still just weird. Yeah. Well, like, I, I mean, this scene's cool because it really shows, like, how the family dynamic ended up evolving. Because, like, Richie was the golden child, so he really, like, still likes his dad, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And, like... The other two are pretty much ignored. Yeah, well, like, uh, Margot was not even considered part of the family, so she's just indifferent to most of the family's affairs. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kaz got actively screwed over by his father on multiple occasions to the point he took him to court and won. Twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Which kind of shows the family dynamic and why Kaz is just like, all right, you're dying, cool, get the fuck out. And he's like, it's like, well, do you, does the entire family want me out? And he's like, do you speak for everybody? Like, I speak for myself. It's like, well, what do you guys think? And like, Richie really wants him there, and Margaret's like, "Yeah, I don't care." Yeah, about <laughs> it. So like, Kaz just like leaves the room, and then like, Royal like puts his hand out, like, "Hey, nice or nice talk, Chaz." And Chaz just like snaps Smacks it away. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like a like a big smack. It's almost like smacking uh, a cat in the head to like make it stop doing what it's doing. Like, stop, stop, stop. It's a classic Ben Stiller walk away. It's like yeah. the first part of a secret handshake. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, that leads us into like starting to learn more about how the family reacts around each other nowadays, which ultimately really isn't any different than they used to. No, it is very much of um, they I'm trying to think of the phrase. Um, they picked up where they left off twenty two years ago, almost. Yes. Yeah. And, well, that's uh, kind of an interesting thing to think about, though, because we don't know, like, like we know roughly when they all left, but like, it never, it doesn't seem like they left on bad terms necessarily. Just they got older. Yeah. Well, it's very much like all the kids were considered to be geniuses of their age, and so all of them, like, they weren't on bad terms. They just all went out to like you know live their lives. Yeah. Do their own thing. Yeah. Margot to go and write plays. Chaz to be- tennis. Yeah, uh, Chaz to go make his uh, financial fortunes, and then mm-hmm. for Richie to go be the tennis champion that he was always meant to be, considering he, didn't they say he was like a world champion at the age of 17? Yeah. And then it's one of those, he also wanted to be an artist, because like he also played uh, played music, and he also <laughs> painted. Uh, yeah, painted, but not very well. He no. never matured past the age of like 12, I think they said. Yeah, <laughs> which I think that's most of the children, none of them really matured, and if they did, they kind of 
backpedaled at some point in time. Because yeah, all the kids do act very childish still as adults. For sure. Which I think, like, quite honestly, I think if you get, like, a family together, they're going to revert back to, like, a, yeah. s- a certain point. Yeah, I, I think definitely. it's one of those things, like, you get people around other people, like, certain people, then they revert back to, like, the kind of person they were when they first met that person. Yeah. Which it's just, once again, it's kind of human nature in a one-dimensional way. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's inaccurate. No, it is very accurate. It's just very uh, characteristic of the movie. Like, it, you never feel like you're, it feels like these are real problems you would see a family have, but you don't, it feels like you're not watching real people almost. Yeah. Feels like you're watching almost ideas of people <laughs> while watching this movie, which is honestly to the movie's credit. I, I feel like, and that's another thing, like I said, that Wes Anderson had said uh, in the commentary of it is uh, he kind of gave an idea to his actors. Like, these are the kind of people that you're playing. This is like the kind of stuff that they would wear. This is the kind of characters you'd want. Do your thing. And he let them play the characters to like, it's almost like, you know, you give somebody the idea of a character and you say like, tell me what you think this character would say in the situation. He did that with his actors and they all, I think they did their jobs very well. Yeah. Anyways, there's a whole thing of like, uh, Royal is doing his thing. He's pretending he's sick. Uh, he ends up taking Richie's room because Richie's the only one sympathetic towards him. Mm-hmm. And so Richie is just in a tent in one of the spare rooms in the playroom, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I like <laughs> It's such a weird decision to just set up a tent like, in a house. I guess I'm yeah. going to sleep on the tent, so like a couch or anything else. Yeah. I mean, I think that also shows like how he still, he never matured past the age of 12. I mean, sure. Because that seems like something a 12-year-old would do is uh, set up a tent instead of just sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. And then, anyways, like that happens. Um, he basically sets up a bunch of fake medical stuff up in <laughs> Richie's room. Yeah. And goes on about how he's dying and like is walking with a cane, but he's not really using. He the never cane. actually uses. Yeah, it he's just holding. He's, a, he's just stuff. holding the cane. Yes, it's such a good decision. <laughs> like, Super funny. Where like you watch him, and he's like he's not putting any weight on the cane. He just yeah, he's just holding. He's just holding a cane with him while he's walking. It's kind of like whenever we were kids, like we would have walking sticks whenever we were doing that. We never really used the walking sticks as walking sticks. We just we're just holding it while we were walking. No, you, it's how you use a walking stick by pointing it at like four feet in front of you and just tapping the ground. That's <laughs> when you're blind. That's a, a different walking stick. <laughs> but, you know, doing that thing and then like decides like after he talks to the family and uses his old doorman, whose name is Dusty. Pandoga? Uh, well, Pandoga's with him. Like he's the one who's kind of uh, watching over him. But he uh, also, uh, you know, whenever Chaz tries to kick him out of the house, that's whenever... He brings Dusty, who is the elevator guy at the hotel, to yeah. pretend to be a doctor so they don't kick him out of the house. Saying, like, oh, like, you can't really move him right now. And then he hears Pager go off and he checks the page and he's like, hey, so-and-so worked a double last week. Can you cover a shift today? I know. <laughs> but, I you know, because he's playing as a doctor, it looks like he's like, oh, I got another case that I got to go to after this. But, like, yeah. make sure you watch over him. It's like, well, can he leave? Absolutely not. He needs to stay in bed. Like, they go back in there, and he's just, like, laying in bed eating a cheeseburger. Yeah, which is pretty much every scene you see him in from this point on. He has a yeah. cheeseburger in his hand. He, well, he has a cheeseburger and a martini, usually. Yeah. Or smoking, <laughs> or... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's doing those things. Uh, also decides at one point in time, that in order to get to Chaz, he's going to use his children to get to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, You learn that he's been estranged from his, his grandchildren, because yeah. Chaz doesn't want him to know them, because... Chaz, very rightly so, thinks he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. And so he worms his way into spending time with his grandchildren. Yeah. Very much so. And the most conniving way that he possibly can. Yeah. By, like, 
like, hey, how about you tell this to your dad so we can build a relationship together? And like, so his kids go up to him like, like, wouldn't mom want us to know who grandpa was? Yeah, like, the most manipulative thing you yeah. could possibly do. Which Chaz still isn't okay with it, but he lets it happen because he, his kids are good enough actors to say like, well, I guess they want to spend time with their grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And like, it, to show even more so like uh, what kind of person Royal is, like they go to see their grandma at their grave at one point in time. Like, yeah, Kaz's wife is buried there. Oh, yeah, you're married, huh? Like, <laughs> like Oh, we have another Kaz. body in that graveyard. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, even whenever they go and visit the graves, like, he puts the flowers on his mom's grave. And, like, oh, right, your wife's ba- are buried here. Hold on. Like, grabs a couple of the flowers <laughs> and gives them to him. He's like, here, put this on her grave. Yeah. Which, uh, like, I don't generally like Ben Stiller because, like, I think he's kind of a one-act pony. But he works for Wes Anderson yeah. here a lot because he's just the angry one. Yeah. And, like, that's what Ben Stiller does. He's the angry one in everything he does. Yeah. It's like, but it works here especially well, I think, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he works pretty well with this. Yeah. But Jim Carroll was really in his right. <laughs> it's not even a name of an actor, but he was certain, like, Jim Carroll, right? This is Jim yeah, Carroll? Yeah, like, this is Jim Carroll. <laughs> Not, no. not a person. <laughs> it probably is somewhere, but not a famous actor. It is yeah. in my head. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so. I'm sure that there's some guy out there named James, James, Jim Carroll. James Jim Carroll, yeah. yeah. Jim James, Carroll is listening James right now. He's like, I can't believe they knew I was an up-and-coming actor in this movie. <laughs> yeah, James Jim Carroll, for your person, good on you. But as far as we're concerned, you're not a famous actor. If you wow. are, email us. I I believe in you, Jim Carroll. Send us your headshots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of this back and forth, and like he's trying to worm his way back into his wife's favor, and like yeah, the which Henry, which is the taxman, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, I don't like this. I don't think he's actually sick. Yeah. <laughs> and so he starts investigating it. Yep. He starts investigating it all while, in a weird way, it's actually working for Royal to uh, kind of weasel his way back into the family. And he sees, like, them giving a little bit yeah, into, like, what he's doing. And then, like, it goes from, like, they give him an inch worth of, or they give him an inch and he, like, pushes it for a mile. Yeah. Know, at one point to, like, the uh, where he tries getting... Chaz? Yeah, not Chaz. Richie? Margo? Uh, Henry. Because I was going to call Mr. Sherman, but that's like Chaz said earlier on yeah, in the movie, they, too. They said, don't call like, him. He's Mr. Sherman. He's like, call me Henry. It's like, well, I don't want to, like, well, I don't think it's right to call you Henry. And his mom's like, no, just call him Henry. He's like, well, I don't know him as Henry. And he's like, well, how do you know him then? He's like, I know him as Mr. Or, he's like, well, I hardly know him. He's like, you've known him for 10 years. I've known him for 10 years as your tax man. <laughs> Mr. Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> Such a dumb. But, like, it, it was a weird him doing like the he's not my real dad kind yeah. of thing. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um but yeah, like he's he's coercing Henry into fights and stuff yeah. by being racist. Yeah. Yeah. He's straight up just being racist to him to his face at that point in time to like yeah. trying to kick him out of his house. And yeah. Ethel's like, Yeah, you guys need to get along. You need to stop this now. And then that's whenever Henry like really starts looking into it and realizes you that say like, really he just goes into the room. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't even take a whole lot of investigating because that's whenever he really starts to investigate and it takes him five minutes to be like, yeah, he's faking this. He has tic tacs in medicine or in like little medicine. Um, it was like because like on the uh, heart rate monitor or TV thing, 
Like, it, there's all the pills, and there is just Tic Tacs yeah. on there. Yeah, so but you didn't like, hide it. Yeah, he's, he doesn't hide anything very well at all. It's just that people, like, refuse to see that he's acting. Yeah. Know? And, he's like, he confronts the family, and he's like, yeah, I know people with stomach cancer. They don't eat fucking three cheeseburgers a day. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, how would you know? That's how my wife died. Like, oh, well, I guess the jig's up, and he literally yeah, he walks just, into a closet. <laughs> just packs his shit because he knows he fucked up. Yeah. It's such, he's, he's the fucking worst. Yeah. It's so insane. <laughs> But yeah, like Chaz just straight up as soon as he uh, has the evidence, like, cool, you're not dying. Get the get out of the house. Yeah, now. he calls him a yeah, taxi. calls a taxi. He's like, yeah, I need a taxi here right now. And then here's spoilers, I guess, for the rest yeah, of the movie. Yeah, I feel for like the big stuff. Yeah, because I feel like this is like the this isn't the turning point, but this is where the turning point starts in yeah. the movie. And uh, so, yeah, he gets kicked out of the house and he tells them like, hey, this is like, I just want to let you know, like, this, I'm not really dying, but. This is the best week I've ever had in my life. That's when the narrator goes. And, and as soon as he said that, he realized that it was true, which actually goes to show like how much that he just bullshits everything in this movie, which in a weird way, like whenever I was initially watching or watching this movie, I thought it's like it's kind of weird because like I know Gene Hackman's a really good actor, but it feels like he's stage playing this almost like almost cold reading it. And then I realized how purposeful it was because it's just one of those he's not only is he lying to them, he's like coming up with those lies on the spot. Yeah. Which is why he acts the way that he does throughout this movie. And it was one of those, like, that's whenever his character is starting to kind of flip a little bit because he's realizing, like, oh, I'm still just a bad father all around. Because, like, he's out there and he's like, Richie, come on, man. You know, you know me. I'm not a bad guy. Richie's like, I can't believe this. He's like, you lied to us, Dad. He's like, yeah, but I'm I'm going to live. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to live. Look on the bright side. I also, I don't know why I give him, like, a weird Italian accent. I don't know either, actually. He's definitely not Italian. I think it just, I don't know. Yeah, but then he's sent to 325 Y Street, something like that. Uh, just well, a shitty hotel, basically. Yeah. What I thought was kind of funny about that is, like, earlier in the movie, uh, he was talking to his grandchildren about P- uh, Pagoda and how he saved him after he got stabbed in a bazaar. Right. He's like, who stabbed you? Oh, Pagoda did. Yeah. Like, uh, there was a price on my head at the time, and he had a, uh, and he had stabbed me in the bazaar, and then he saved my life afterwards. So it basically is like, like, yeah, this is a good guy here. He saved my life because he decided not to kill me. Yeah. And then, like, as they're getting kicked out of the house, Pagoda stabs him again and calls him a son of a bitch. He's like, God damn, Pagoda, that's the last time that your blade of yours will be in my stomach. I, I like that. It's just like, this is just a common occurrence. He's just, he's not even like, he's more annoyed. He's not yeah. even like betrayed or angry. He's just annoyed this happened yeah. again. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that now I think about it, I kind of, well, I never stabbed anybody at work, but like, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, that's a good what someone who has stabbed somebody would say. Yeah. I mean, I've stabbed, I have a scar right here from whenever I stabbed myself on a cutter. And I think I had the same uh, reaction that he had because, like, I like I was putting a part in the lathe, and like I was just kind of like tapping it on there, and I didn't move the blade back far enough, and so my arm went into it when everyone to go slap the part. Jeez. And I looked down and saw that there's a blade sticking in the side of my arm, and I just kind of reacted with a. Ugh. When God I got a ban- damn it. yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> They're and not I- gonna give me days off for this. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was like I went over to the med kit area, I, like slapped some uh, antibiotic on it, and slapped the band aid on there, and then went back to work. You and then like, just went home, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, like about a week later, I got uh, I got grilled by the president of the of the, uh, of the company because not only did I get or did I stab myself at work, I didn't tell anybody, and so it's like, what if it got infected? 
It's like, well, it didn't get infected. It's like, but what if it did? Like, we would have been hey, liable. Hey, I that. lived. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'll be, I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> it's such this bullshit that yeah. they spew because it's not they're worried about you. They're just, they don't want to have to deal with the stupid yeah. fucking They're worried about you suing them. Yeah. That's what they're worried about. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, it was a, kind of the same thing of just like being annoyed after like, <laughs> Well, it should be a big deal, but it's not at this point because uh, it's happened often enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're kicked out. They're at the hotel, and he's like, yo, Pagoda, you got a 50? And Pagoda's like, I don't got any money. How are we going to pay for this place? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Which leads him to getting a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it leads him to interviewing for a job, which he interviews for as an elevator man at the hotel that he'd been living at for the past 22 years. Yes. Which is probably like the first good thing that he does throughout the entire movie. Even well, if it's just good, it's debatable. It's I, just a thing. <laughs> well, it's one of those. It's showing that like he's uh, he's willing know. to work now. Yeah, he's willing to work. He realized that there's no quick way out of it, so he has to start slowly <laughs> moving his way back. I don't into, know. It's so like he's still doing it for completely selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. I was he gonna say it's Pagoda a first, into it. I was gonna say it's the first good thing he does, even if he does it for himself. That's what I was gonna say. I still like. I feel like just calling it good is really stretching it. I, it's I the first it's thing the first... he does. Yeah, but he he's not like weaseling his way into it or anything like that. He's just trying to get a job at this point, which is like the first step. It's the first honest thing he's yeah. done. There. <laughs> but anyways, uh, also while this is happening, um, gotta look up his name too. Chase. No, not Chase. Margot's husband. Bill Murray, basically. Bill Murray, yeah. Bill Murray, just say Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. He's Bill Murray. You're never gonna think of him as anything else. Oh, it, we did. He has. They have a. Is I don't know if it's their kid, or no. no. Okay. It's just a kid. Just a kid that yeah. lives with them. Yeah. I guess. Ralph St. Clair is his name. Okay. Yeah. And so Dudley is the kid that's staying with them, who yeah. has like this weird disease, I guess, or something, or weird Homerson, something like that. Well, he calls it the Dudley syndrome because it's the first time he's ever seen it. Yeah. yeah. And it's that he's like extremely stupid. He has extremely short-term memory, and he's colorblind. And he has very good hearing. Yeah, but he has, and very... he has extremely good hearing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he hears him in the next room talking about him. He's like, "I'm not really colorblind, am I?" No, you are. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird, thing. <laughs> super yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, like he went and uh, decided to get a private investigator to check up on his wife because he feels like maybe she might be. Uh, cheating on him, and mm-hmm. he talks to Richie about it because Richie's the closest to her out of everybody. <laughs> and whenever Richie finds out about or the fact that she's cheating uh, on her husband, he gets even more mad than the husband was. About <laughs> well, he's like, because the husband's just like, uh, you know, Richie, you think maybe she might be like she's cheating? Like, yeah, she might be. Who? Who do you think it is? Yeah, who do you yeah. think it is? <laughs> like, <laughs> go out, who, like, who are we going after? Where do we find he's him? Like, uh, what, Let's get I him don't now. even what? It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that happens, and then like the private investigator comes back with like the detailed stuff he finds out. Like he finds out all of her secrets basically, yeah. and they read this profile on her. And I kind of like the way that they go about the profile, <laughs> where it's just yeah. like playing that. Um, I don't, I don't give a ba- damn about my reputation by. Um, oh, fuck, what's her name? The Jackson. No uh, idea. Um, I have no idea who does this I, song. I had look you know the song. Joan Black. Or no, fuck, what's her name? Jumpstart. <laughs> it's the song. Don't give a damn about my reputation. You've heard it's the like song. A, it's the like ninety two thousands. Yeah, it's that song. Yeah. No, that it's older than the two thousands. Well, no, but that's what every movie had. Oh, yeah, had that true. song in it. it was then. Yeah, it's just like everything she did is like age twelve smoked. 
yeah. age 14, escapes school. Like, all the things that are, like, quote-unquote bad. Yeah, yeah, that she's done, which, yeah, she escapes like school. like, age 19, married. <laughs> yeah, mar- or married in or the Bahamas. <laughs> and then, like, uh, after the Bahamas, uh, she has, like, a lesbian fling with some woman, and then... Uh, it just shows like making out with a bunch of random guys in all these different random locations, all leading all the way back to Eli, who is like the the newest person that she's been yeah. cheating on her husband with. Yeah, and like because it it shows him like lift up the papers, and then it shows like the whole play of everything bad she's done. He puts down the paper, and he's like, "So okay. she smokes." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, and then Richie's like, Argh! "Very angry," which. Yeah. At this point, we need to say what's going on with Richie and Margo. Uh, yeah. Do we? It's a huge plot point. It is. Uh, it's something they try to keep secret throughout the thing, and like it's one of those things you kind of have to be paying attention up until this point to see what's going on. But it's one of those like Richie is very much in love with Margo, even though I feel like saying you have to pay attention is kind of weird considering they literally face. tell you twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because um, he does say like while he's on the boat, like he sends a telegram to Eli saying like I'm in love with or with Margo and then Eli, Eli tells, tells Margo because he's an asshole mm-hmm. and well he's also very drugged out the entire movie Eli and, yeah Eli yes, is yes. Eli is very drugged out the entire movie and like so he just kind of says stuff and like none of it really means anything yeah it's just him having a bad trip throughout pretty much most of the movie yeah and uh yeah he just ends up saying it out loud to her at some point in time and like um so she knows about it, and like she confronts him about it, but he doesn't really say anything about it because she's just like, "So I, uh, Eli told me what you wrote him. You dropped your cigarettes. Those aren't mine. They fell, fell out of your, your pocket. pocket. <laughs> yeah. And then like they just kind of leave it there. It's like, well, I don't like. Well, I didn't send that letter. Well, I don't smoke. Okay, then. Like it's kind yeah. of that. <laughs> and then, is it? Yeah. And so back here. Yeah. And, and then it it kind of shows that uh. It doesn't say, but it shows, like, with his last match, uh, it was a couple of days before she got married to Ralph. And, yes, uh, and they were both at the match. And they are both at the match, and he just wasn't dealing with it very well because he was in love with her and the fact she married somebody else. He can't get mad about it because he's technically, that's technically his sister, but he's still in love with her. But he's not yeah. dealing with it well, and so he basically gives up his life and then goes out, out on sea to try to forget about her. This is the thing that I don't like in the movie. It's so. I mean, that's fair. Weird, like, it's like unnecessarily weird. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, that like it's a lot of those things that are really weird. This is probably the weirdest thing about the entire movie. Like, yeah. It's just like I don't know. It's I mean, it's one of those things that people make fun of anime for all the time. It's just so weird being like, oh, but they're they're adopted, they're step siblings, but they're siblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They I grew mean, up and- as siblings. I will say, like, growing up, there was a couple people who were adopted that, like, talked about their adopted siblings that way, too. And I was just like, don't you think that's kind of weird? And like, yeah, but we're adopted. It's like, yeah, but you're still brother and sister, though. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's the big plot point with, with Richie. Yeah, is that he's very in love with her, but he knows that he, he can never have her kind of thing. And so after he finds out that, like, because she has been very, like, estranged and, like, in a weird way has been trying to, like, find... In a weird, like she's in a weird way, it feels like she's trying to find her family because she never feels like she belongs to the Tenenbaums, and so like he, whenever he finds out about that, he doesn't take it very well. Uh, Ralph kind of becomes comatose to like the sense that he is like just laying on a couch and Dudley walks and he's like, "Do you want to play a game or something?" No, Dudley. Yeah, and then like or Rick, run experiments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to run experiments with me? No, Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> 
really good. Yeah. And then Richie, like, just leaves the room, goes into the bathroom, and there's, like, this shot of him cutting his, like, I guess another thing we should say is his hair is very long. It's, like, down to his shoulders. He has a giant beard. And he has a giant beard showing that, like, the entire time that he's been on this boat, he has not shaved, nor has he cut his hair. Mm -hmm. But at this moment, he grabs this little tiny pair of scissors and starts cutting all of his hair off and starts, like, cutting all of his beard off. And then, like, eventually gets to the point where, like, he's, like, shaving down to the skin with his beard. And while he's looking in the mirror, he does say, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. And then he takes the rate, like, and this is the scene that we were warning about earlier with the attempted suicide because he then takes the razor out of the shaver and slits his wrists. And it doesn't, like, actually show him cutting his wrists, but it shows his arms bleeding into the sink that are just in a sink covered in hair. Yeah. And then... Out of all the people to find him in the bathroom, it's Dudley, who opens up the door and sees Richie lying on the, basically in a pool of his own blood, and then cuts to a scene wherever they're like running him into the hospital, and like all the doctors and Bill Murray and Dudley and all of them are all covered in blood while they're running him into the hospital, mm-hmm. and the whole family figures out, and the whole family goes to visit him at the hospital, and try to talk to him about it, and like, I think out of all the people who don't understand the most, it's probably Kaz, because he's the one who's like. So why'd you do it? Like, Kaz, leave him alone. It's like, well, I wrote it in the suicide note. Can I read it? No. <laughs> Is it dark? It's, it's a suicide, suicide note. note. So I'd say, yeah. <laughs> like, can you summarize? Can you just leave him alone right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think it kind of shows like he was just wanting to understand, but he's doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's like someone who's never really had to deal with something that trying to like, hey, how can I help? Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cannot. Which you see that from different characters because you see Ralph do that a couple of times too. Just like, hey, how can I help? Kind mm-hmm. of mm. ideals. Um, but anyways, uh, Royal tries getting to the hospital, and I think this is kind of the first time that, uh, I think it's the first time he thinks about someone other than himself, in a weird way, because like he's trying to see his son, and they tell him no, like he, like visiting hours are over. You're not on the list. Get out. Yeah. And then uh, he leaves. He's like, maybe we can climb up the window to go see him. Oh, he's right there, and like you see Richie getting on a bus, still in his like, I, yeah, his, he just he just left, yeah, <laughs> just left it while still in his hospital gown, and then like he tries getting a hold of Rich, like you know, trying to get Richie's attention. Richie like looks back at him and gets on the bus and like just leaves. Yep, and he kind of has like this moment of like, oh, like my son almost died, and he won't talk to me now. Yep, and then there is another very awkward scene ever like he gets back home and margo is sitting inside of his little tent listening to a record player and they kind of talk and like kind of reconcile i can't talk today reconcile (laughs) i can't speak today i'm sorry rick and morty (laughs) so rick and morty in there and she's and he's just like rick what are we gonna do and she's just like i don't know morty (laughs) he burps a lot yeah kind of like me today (laughs) anyway Uh, um they talk and like he's like oh yeah i got a bunch of stitches in my arm he's like how many i don't know do you want to see and like shows her like <laughs> how he basically just like cut the shit out of his arms yeah he really meant it oh yeah definitely and she says that's gross yeah <laughs> yep and then he covers up and they kiss and, and like, they well, lay down because like he says like i love you and she's like i love you too and like they end up kissing and then like she asks like why did you do it or did you do it because of me it's like yeah but it's not your fault though and then she cries, and she says, like, you're not going to do it again, are you? And he's like, I doubt it. And then they get up, and she's like, I think it would be best if we were just both secretly in love with each other. Yeah. It's uh, bad. 
I don't like the storyline. I just don't like it. I think it's super it, unnecessary. I don't know. Well, it is unnecessary, but it's just kind of one of those they needed it to have the story move forward. Does it? Like, like you could have just changed some stuff around and had the Eli character been that. Like, you didn't need it to be her brother. Yeah. I get, like, it's supposed to be, like, the Tenenbaums and, like, a fucked up family and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I just don't like it. It's too weird. As I, I don't like it in Game of Thrones. I don't like it in this. Fair? <laughs> it's not the only story wherever, you know, this stuff is discussed, but it's just still super uncomfortable. Like I, Super uncomfortable. I'm not going to tell you that, like, you're wrong or anything. Like, you're completely in the right for feeling uncomfortable because of this in the movie, but I think it's just one of those, like, it ha- like you know to keep it within the family dynamic and then also to keep the art uh, because like if you ask me the suicide is the big turning point in the movie yeah for the family and you know after that it kind of shows royal like once again showing that he can't you know can't like weasel out of like the things that he did in the past but he can try to make up for it now and one of the first things that he does is he decides to tell um uh, if i remember correctly he decides to tell Ethel that like he's okay with the marriage and like he signs the divorce papers for yeah, her he and has her sign divorce it. papers um... and saying like I I get why you love him now it's because he's everything that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he also decides to try to uh, make up with Chaz a little bit more instead of like just trying to get to him to him through his kids, which doesn't work. Yeah, no, because well, yeah, Chaz <laughs> is still very much still angry at him, yeah. which fair. Super fair. Yeah. yeah. And then also Richie goes and talks to him and tells him, like, I think I know, I, I think I can tell you why I threw that match now. And tells him, like, you know, that he's in love with his adopted sister. And then another plot point, which is kind of, I think, in a weird way, just meant to be more for Richie than anybody else. Because, like, earlier on, uh, he, he had an, uh, a hawk named Mordecai that he set free because he realized that he shouldn't be kept in a cage his entire life or for the rest of his life. And so he sets his uh, hawk free. And then, like, at this point, whenever he tells his dad that he's in love with his uh, adopted sister and his father, it, who's also super uncomfortable with the fact that he's in love with his sister, tells him, he's like, well, it, it's like, I don't know. He's like, it's not, a, like, I feel like it might be illegal. And he's like, well, we're not blood related. It's like, yeah, but still frowned upon, isn't it? Then again, hey, but what, what is, is it frowned upon? What is it these days? Yeah. So it's just kind of his way of saying, like, I don't exactly approve of this, but, like, you've got to live your life. Yeah. And that's whenever his bird comes back to him. He's like, I don't know if this is Mordecai. He's got a bunch of white feathers. Uh, you know what they say. And that's, that's basically how the scene is. Yeah. <laughs> but that happens. Uh, there's a marriage. Like the, they get the wedding ready for Henry and Ethel. Mm-hmm. And while they're like uh, getting everything prepared for the wedding, because they're just going to have it at the house. And like, I, one thing I did like about that scene, because I found it kind of weirdly funny. Is like, uh, well, I guess another thing is, uh, uh, Royal had a a boar head that was just like sitting on the wall, yeah. And at some point in time, which was taken down for whatever reason, like it didn't show it being taken down. It just at one point in time was taken down and then put it in the room where they keep all the board games. And he finds it in the room with the board games. And then it's Richie out of all people who like puts it back up for his Such dad. A, I don't like. It feels like it is supposed to be more significant than it is. Yeah. It's really not, though. <laughs> it's such a weird <laughs> thing to draw attention to. But, like, that happens. They're getting ready for the wedding. Um, and while this is happening, uh, everyone's getting ready for everything. Uh, Eli, which I guess earlier, we should say, Richie uh, got his dad to help him, like, go talk to Eli and tell him, like, hey, like, you have a drug problem. You need to get help. Kind of thing. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. And, like, let me go get some stuff. And then, 
oh, he's leaving. And like, it just shows him like running and getting into a taxi and getting away from them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he comes back at this scene uh, for some reason wearing war paint on his face. Probably a little uh, driving... bit of racism. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But like, I think it kind of shows like something happened with Eli that it didn't have to do with the Tenenbaum. So it's probably an interesting story that uh, explains the face paint. But that's neither here nor there because now he's driving at them super fast. And ends up like driving his car into the side of their house and like flying through their front or their front window, uh, causing Kaz to have a moment of panic because his two sons were outside. Runs outside, uh, sees that his dad actually pulled his boys out of the way just in time, but their dog died. And then realize like, I think that's probably the angriest that he is at that point because he has like this "I'm gonna fucking kill Eli" look in his eyes as he's chasing him through the house. Yeah. Which that's one thing I thought was kind of funny. If like you really listen, like I didn't notice it at first, but this time watching it through. Uh, when they run by Ralph, Ralph looks at him. He's like, "How can I help?" And then he pushes Ralph out of the way and keeps chasing him. <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's <laughs> and then, like, they meet in the backyard and they wrestle for a little bit. Um, Chaz ends up elbowing Richie in the eye because Richie's trying to break up the fight. And then he ends up like throwing him into the neighbor's yard or Eli into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. And then, like, they both kind of have this moment wherever, like, they reflect for a little bit on what just happened. It's kind of weird though, because like. The framing of it makes it seem like they're on very similar levels, despite the fact that Eli almost killed two children and is on, like, a huge drug dose. Yeah, he's definitely at the end of, like, a huge bender right now. Whereas Kaz was angry because he almost got his two children killed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I think it it was more or less of one of those, like, uh, Kaz realized at that moment he's just not dealing with his wife's death at that point in time. He's just trying to blame everybody, or blame everything else around him, and being angry at that instead of his actual problems. Uh, okay, it's and, just the framing of yeah, the, they're, they're right definitely not on after his yeah, children. They're definitely died. not on the same level right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like they're both realizing like they need help, even though they both need significantly different kinds of help. Yeah. Uh, then it's just kind of like a bunch of jokes back to back. Yeah, it it, it's kind of show. Yeah, it's kind of doing like the resolution shot of everything. Yeah, of like everyone's coming to a resolve of like, kind of showing like in a story where not a lot happens, like they at least had some growth. It's kind of because if you ask me, this movie seems like all of them lost who they were at one point in time, and they're slowly kind of rekindling who they are now. So it's it feels like a lot of people who are holding onto their pasts instead of, like, trying to look forward for something new and then, like, them kind of finally reaching a point in their life where they could cut their losses and move forward with their lives. Yeah, and that's kind of where the movie ends, that a couple days later they get to redo the wedding because the priest fucking fell downstairs. No, 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 Kaz pushed him down a flight of stairs. Yeah. And the priest broke his ankle, so they had to go get married at at the courthouse by a judge. Also, is it Kaz or Chaz? I think it's Kaz. Chaz. There was an H Chaz. in it. <laughs> it's C-H-A-S is how you spell it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, like, they had the wedding at the courthouse. Um, the priest ends up having, or is, you know, because the priest broke his ankle. Um, trying to remember. Uh, Richie ends up uh, becoming a tennis teacher at that yes. point in time. For ages 8 to 12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. It kind of shows that a royal is still just like living as the elevator man, but like you know, at least has his family back now in some way, shape, or form. And Margot is writing plays again, and they are getting mixed reviews. Mixed reviews, and it ran for two weeks. A really realistic ending to that story. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and Uh, then um, Chaz is 
kind of in a weird way bonding with his dad in a way that he never did as a kid. Yeah, and it's like he was the one, and like uh, Royal had a heart attack soon after, and Chaz was the only one with him yeah. when he died. And the movie ends at uh, Royal's funeral, and showing that even though nobody spoke at his funeral, Royal would have are considered to be a smashing success. And then also wanted the, wanted his family to write on his tombstone that he died saving his family from a sinking ship. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> even in death. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. That's the Royal Tenenbaums. That's basically it, other than a weird, awkward romance between siblings seen on the roof but yeah which not important yeah. really yeah <laughs> i mean i guess that like that whole thing on the roof that just basically still shows that like hey like we're this is still just like a se- this isn't happening between us we just have to secretly be in love quote unquote yeah it's it's, it's kind of like you know i know that's good enough but it can't go any further than that yeah it's a uh, it's weird it is <laughs> anyway that's that movie yeah, yeah. that's the royal bombs. This is the movie that I picked in a panic whenever I was like, nope, that movie's too depressing. Nope, so is that one. <laughs> uh, it's a funny movie. Yeah, yeah it is. All like, all, all in all, like, there are a lot of things I do like. Like, there are, like, scenes that are uncomfortable about it, but they're, like, overall, I think I still enjoy this movie. Like, from the color palette to it, to, like, everything feeling super purposeful, like, how everything is laid out in there. Um, everything almost still feels almost like a period piece photograph. Like, every frame of this movie. Yeah. And like I said, it all feels very purposeful, but like, I also still like the idea that like Wes Anderson, like he has this very structured idea of exactly what he wants his movies to be to like, even to the point that like, I'm pretty sure he chose exactly what board games to be inside of that closet, wherever Kaz and, um, or Chaz, I mean, sorry, I feel or Chaz like... and Royal are yelling at each other in the yeah, closet. Yeah, for sure. Cause like, if you look at them, it's all the board games that like ruin friendships and all that. Yeah. It's like yeah. Monopoly risk, all the. Yeah. Yeah. So like, even when it comes to, like the subtle details, it, he, there's an exact thing that he wants, but he lets his actors know that like, or he, not only his actors, but his actors and like his set piece designers and everything. Like, this is what I want, but I'm going to let you work and make it the way that you think it should look. Yeah. And uh, since we're at the end, another thing I'll bring up. This movie has the weirdest fucking soundtrack. <laughs> like, I kind of like it. No joke. There are two different scenes where the background music is the Christmas time song from Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. One is in an ice cream parlor. It's fitting. <laughs> it's not Christmas. <laughs> Christmas time. Royal, it probably is. <laughs> I can't remember the other one that like the Beatles the... song at the beginning. Well, there was the Beatles one too. There's been a couple Beatles songs like, in here, and there... like all of them were covers too. There yeah. was another one that was an instrumental, like just in a scene that <laughs> made me flip my shit because it was such a weird choice. But I like all the music. I I'm not saying it was like bad or it doesn't fit the movie. I'm saying it's just a weird soundtrack. It's off the wall. Yeah. Like imagine a... if you just like listen to all these sound all these songs back to back. Like it yeah. would be the most tonal whiplash. <laughs> it's true. You're right. To be You're fair, right. it's an off color soundtrack for an off color movie with an off color set of, set of characters. Yeah. You're right. Um, just thought I'd bring that up because it's just one of the things you'll probably notice when you're watching this movie. It's like, yeah, what yeah, the for fuck? sure. <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, even just like I know it's very much of a Wes Anderson feel to have that too, like the extreme saturated color palette that he has with like every single room and the uh, the costumes that the characters are wearing and everything. Like everything about it is very, very colorful. Yes, in a very purposeful way. Very much so. Like I guess one of the good examples, like ex- like how crazy hot pink the like 
most of the living room is in that house, except yeah. for like a handful of rooms that are like a very sky blue kind of thing. Like it, there's a very, yeah, saturated color palette for the entire movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, if anything, we should probably get to our final thoughts because we're recording about as long or a little bit longer than what the movie is at this point. So eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It's like a <laughs> twister thing. Like, <laughs> dry up. <laughs> What'd you think of the movie? <laughs> Oh, actually, me. Yeah. Oh, uh... <laughs> sorry. The you want me to spin again? <laughs> oh, it's still you. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, okay. Well, it's by the wall, but it's closest to dry. So him. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like. I said I'm very open about not liking the um, the incest story. It's it, awkward and it's very fair. Um, it's just weird. I don't like it very much, but it is a very very funny movie. Yeah. It's extremely charming in a way that I think very few movies can be, except for really Wes Anderson movies. He shoots them and has actors play them in a way that is very, very fitting for his script. Yeah. It's very Wes Anderson style. I enjoy his sense of humor quite a bit. Um, yeah, I really do enjoy this movie. It's it's not my favorite of his at all. Actually, that's fair. I think it might be my least favorite of what I've seen of his, but it's still good. Um, I'd give it a 7.5. Okay. And e, what did you think of the movie? Or final uh, thoughts? Like I said before, pretty mixed bag for me overall. Like The incest stuff is really comfortable like i'm already uncomfortable with just romance stuff anyways so like when you right. add weird romance stuff yeah <laughs> it's really gross yeah i don't like it, it's probably the issue of it's a comedy first and foremost i feel like the miss the royal man himself doesn't really like earn a redemption agreed like he just kind of gets it which feels yeah. really undeserved i'm glad it's not like literal just cookie cutter this kind of story where he would win the wife back yeah despite being a shitty person but like it's just like i feel like he didn't do anything and like they're just like ah well you know he kind of fucked us up all throughout our childhood and was a super shitty father all the time but you know he he is trying so you know it's (laughs) all right now well i don't even think it's so much of that i think it's more uh that's why i say that the suicide is like the turning point of it because like that was where the family like finally like kind of put everything aside to like deal with this situation. And so like it's kind of almost like you're a shitty person, but your son almost died kind of thing. So we'll deal with you in this moment. Like it's it's the stuff after that, because like yeah. and well after like, that, it's like that, yeah, I was gonna say, but like well with Chaz, I think the reason why he finally like sucked or not even like sucked with his father, but the reason why he was okay with him is because like he saved his boys whenever he was so worried about them to begin with. And so, like, because throughout the entire movie, Chaz is worried something bad is going to happen. And whenever something bad does happen, he's not there to save his kids, but his father is. Uh, just, like, from a narrative standpoint, doesn't feel quite earned. It's, yeah. Again, it's a comedy. These are Wes Anderson characters. I'm probably looking more into this than <laughs> I should be. Yeah. It just kind of, like, bugs me a bit. But, mixed back, like, it, this movie's incredibly funny. And sometimes in... Like in, I don't know. You're saying Wes Anderson is has the third eye for humor and (laughs) never has any mistakes ever. I guess, but like even just like the weird song choice is so insanely funny in a lot of times. Yeah. So, like, definitely watch it for that. I probably like uh, of the three Wes Anderson movies, it's definitely not my favorite and is at the bottom. But like, it's not bad. It's not. I wouldn't say I like think anyone should go out of their way to watch it, but like 
if you like if you want to watch it go ahead and watch it um <laughs> i don't know like six okay okay and then for me like i did enjoy this film uh i think i definitely just need to sit down and watch more wes anderson films but i don't really see them around very often they're there if yeah. you look for them i, I mean they're the there like for whenever isle of dogs was still new i saw that around for a while but like i think at that point in time it just wasn't on my radar and now that it's less prevalent uh i, I don't see it around anymore but Owl Dogs is kind of hard to talk about, I would <laughs> yeah, say. It's yeah. weird. It's such a weird <laughs> like, movie. It's insane and amazing, but like it's hard to like talk about it. Right. So much of it is just visual humor. I mean, to be fair, there was like visual humor in this movie too. But yeah, yeah. Well, you should really it. see Isle of Dogs. Like, yeah. it's... <laughs> no, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like I think it's just one of those uh, I probably need to see more of his films, but like even this movie in particular was hard to find. Yeah, like I said, I found it in like the Criterion collection of uh, Entertain Mart, which is like the smallest section of Entertain Mart because they just didn't have it anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, between like the color palette of it, like kind of the weird dry humor of all of it, I I did enjoy the movie. That and the charm of it too. Like this movie is very charming too, even though it has some weird choices. Like I wouldn't call mistakes just because everything is very purposeful in this movie. <laughs> But they're just weird choices uh, to make kind of thing. But it's also a very weird cast of characters. So I think it kind of falls under like, it's weird. And I would understand why s- some people didn't like it, but I get it kind yeah. of thing. Uh, all in all, I did enjoy it. I think I weirdly enjoyed it more the second time around. I'd, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Well, Jariah yeah. said he enjoyed it this t- more this time around too. So yeah. Doesn't seem too but I weird. think it's like one of those, you get more of an idea of what like what to expect the second time around. For sure. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it again, give it a 6.1. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> the um, only movie I ever give a point something rating. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, that was that movie. Yeah. That was The Royal Tenenbaum. Yeah. Uh, e. Hello. If people want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? Uh, we have a link tree, L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P, which gives you links to all our social medias and listen medias. So you can just send us a tweet, send us a hoot, send us a ear, all the things. Send us your ears. Send us your ears. <laughs> uh, we also have an email, the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your tennis balls. Ooh. <laughs> You like the ones with the W? What's your favorite brand? I only know W. I don't even know what it stands for. That I just know there's a Will w. Wilson. Probably <laughs> Will Smith. Yeah, send yeah. us the Will Smith ball. Wait. <laughs> um, Robbie. Yeah, do your do your thing. All right. So, if you're out and about, make sure you're kind to one another and make sure to stay safe. Stay six feet apart. Wear a mask. Wear gloves. Wash your hands for at least twenty seconds. Get vaccinated if you can. But if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time that you've listened to us or you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for bringing this movie, Robbie. Thanks. Not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for bringing the movie. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for forcing me into a corner to bring it? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Hello. Thank you, everybody out there. Hope you have a great week and hope your next week is great as well. Tune in next week for the rare moment where e- I am going to host. Whoa. Where yeah. the E brings a movie. It's going to be crazy. Who could the established E. What could, it po- <laughs> what could it possibly be? Maybe it's animated. Who knows with me? Oh, man. <laughs> Who, what, what are the odds, are you know? The odds? <laughs> uh, 
All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.